Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're doing our live Saturday edition, as we do every single Saturday night. The show is still the same as it usually is, well, mostly, in that we'll take your calls about anything. However, uh, we do have an added element that's unusual to most Free Talk Lives, and that is that we're actually live somewhere else from, uh, with the exception, uh, or rather not in our studio. We are somewhere else. We're on location. For those of you that only get the Saturday show on your local radio station, you haven't heard the last couple of shows. We've been in Nashua, New Hampshire since Thursday night. So for the Thursday and Friday night shows, we've been live and we've been talking about the event we've been attending, which is the 2009 Liberty Forum. It's a liberty convention unlike anything you have ever experienced, presuming you've ever experienced anything liberty-related as far as uh, getting together with other like-minded people and convening in the same hotel. We're in the, uh, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Nashua, New Hampshire, and it is a great time. Uh, it's the third annual Liberty Forum, again put on by the Free State Project, which, in case you've never heard, the Free State Project is a group of thousands of activists that are planning on moving to New Hampshire in order to live more free. And it's happening. It's not just a plan anymore. In fact, hundreds of those thousands have already made the move, and they've done so kind of early because the original... The original concept was to, to gather 20,000 people first and then have all 20,000 go up within a five-year window. What ended up really happening in reality, um, despite whatever the plan was, was that people decided to just, they decided to just go. And so people have been showing up for the last several years, and it just keeps getting better and better as more activists converge here in New Hampshire and more um, activism starts for, of all different varieties, political varieties, to civil disobedience, to creating media, to market alternatives, to government. I mean, there's just so much going on here. It's amazing. Hundreds of people have moved for the Free State Project at this point. Yes, and hundreds more are coming probably this year alone. Uh, more will be here the year after that because it obviously takes people time to, well, you know, tie up the loose ends in their life and you know, sell the house or however many strings you've attached to your life. You have to undo all those so you can move yourself here to New Hampshire. We were actually talking about this. I was talking about this with a couple of other talk show hosts today. I was on a panel with uh, Stefan Molnew from freedomainradio.com and Mark Stevens uh, from the No State Project at markstevens.com. That's Mark with a C. And we were talking about Stefan used the term, and it was Stefan's first time in New Hampshire. He used, he's, uh, by the way, he's the closing speaker tomorrow, so you don't want to miss that. But he used the term intense to describe the activists around here. And I said, you know, you absolutely have to be intense. It was a positive thing. You absolutely have to be intense about liberty in order to uproot yourself and move. And, in fact, we have somebody with us who is a newer mover to New Hampshire. His name is Will Buchanan, and you want to talk intense this guy is the definition of an intense, liberty-minded dude. Uh, Will Buchanan from the Walk for Liberty. You walked from Oregon to New Hampshire in the year of 2008. You started out, I think it was in April? Yeah, uh, April 14th. And you finished up on December 31st. Right. And what an odyssey. 
looking back on it all, obviously we had you on the show as you were uh, going through the walk and, and, and listening to your experiences. And, of course, people can go to walkforliberty.com where you did a video blog pretty much every single day of your walk. You had your video camera with you, and you'd talk about various different things, usually a lot of liberty-oriented ideas. And I, I, as I've told you, I think you covered pretty much every issue that anybody could ever talk about in the, the whole spectrum of libertarianism. You covered it all in your daily videos. So walkforliberty.com is really quite a great resource uh, for somebody that might be new to the movement. But looking back on your experience in, uh, in 2008, which took the bulk of your year, yeah, it took you, eight and a half months to uh, to walk coast to coast. What is it that? Uh, what are some of your reflections? What What was it like? What What do you think now, as compared to what you thought before you went on the walk? Well, uh, my uh, I, I guess I grew a lot during the course of the walk. Um, one way in which my uh, philosophy kind of has changed. Um, before I started the walk, I still I, I already believed in the idea of. Um, a voluntary society that, sure. that government is not necessary for people to interact without harming each other, you know, because it's in people's best interest to work together peaceably. And so I guess I I realized that in a from a theoretical level, and you know, but I guess I still saw government as this institution. But during the course of the walk, um, I don't know why, just you know, being out on the road because usually I was just out on the road walking mm -hmm. and you know doing filming and but a lot of times just thinking um, I just something clicked and I just realized that government is just it really is just an, uh, a group of people that use force on others and I, I know that just that sounds obvious to a lot of people probably maybe not so, so much to others but it, it just clicked on me in a more fundamental deep level Especially after the cops harassed you, was it twice on the entire walk? They yeah, there were two significant incidences of uh, harassment in Indiana and in New York State. That kind of helps pound it home. When, when you have an encounter with the police and you actually do get to see finally the gun in the room, as we've talked about so many times, that kind of helps uh, get that message home to somebody. Yeah, the, the police state really is alive and well today in, in the United States. Did you, uh, so you've been here all weekend, obviously, enjoying yep. the Liberty Forum. And we've been talking about, and we will talk about here a little bit later, what happened today, some of the events that happened today. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, was that, wait, was that today? No, I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Uh, I live in a bit of a time warp. Patrick Freeman today, um, also Mark Stevens. Mark Stevens. Did you see Mark's speech this morning? I did, yes. Wasn't he great? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he tore every single possible uh, <laughs> icon of the state up that you that he could. It was, it was just incredible. Yeah, he's he certainly is uh, much as anybody completely dismantles the idea of, of the existence of government or the state or citizens or anything really. So, uh, so what do you think? What are some of the highlights of Liberty Forum so far? Obviously, it's not even over yet. There's still Sunday, which is an ex uh, it's an extended Sunday. It used to end at 12. Last year it ended at 12. This year it's going to end at 4 o'clock with uh, Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio doing the wrap-up, the closing ceremony. So considering how far we've come here on Saturday night, what are some of your, uh, your favorite things from this year's Liberty Forum, Will? Well, real, I've, I've been to the last uh, three Liberty Forums, all, all three of them, and my favorite part of it really is just interacting with everybody, just you know, socializing in the mm -hmm. hallways and talking with people, so that's always my highlight. Um, I was at the uh, the dinner with uh, Dr. Mary Ruart last oh, night. Oh, yeah, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I, I bet you are. <laughs> I know you're a big fan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she gave an excellent talk, and I was really glad to have been there. So worth the trip again. 
Absolutely. And there's just so much to do. I mean, if, if it's not, if you don't want to go see one of the official presentations, there are people, again, self-organizing out in the hall. Some people are going out for lunch together. I think some people right now, as we speak, are uh, going out for to see the new Watchmen movie. I think there's a group of free staters that has gone out to do that. So there are a variety of things just going on. Also, of course, there's the Alternatives Expo, started by a free stater who said, hey, there aren't enough topics uh, that I want to see covered here, so I'm going to start my own con concurrently running event in the very same hotel. It's great. I went to it. Uh, I went to the alternative energy uh, sort of, you know, they talked about solar power, wind power, all those things. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty cool. And actually, uh, he's our housemate. Oh, very cool. Jack Schimmick. So, uh, so you've been in New Hampshire now since the beginning of the year, pretty much. And having only come three months, two, two months in here, we're not even finished with winter time yet. What do you think? I mean, uh, is it too cold? I mean, coming from Hawaii, which is where you were last living. I, I did move from Hawaii, and you know, I lived there for a year. I, I grew up in Indiana, though, so I'm pretty used to the weather. It's it's not. I think there's more snow here than I remember there being in Indiana, where I lived. But I like the snow, and the cold doesn't bother me that much. I'm. I think I might actually get a, a pair of snowshoes for next winter to uh, be able to enjoy the winter even more. Fantastic. Uh, it's such a great time being up here, and we're going to tell you more as time goes on about the forum. One thing I can tell you is that Will is going to be one of the Sunday speakers. So I know that, uh, I think Julia, my girlfriend, told me she wants to go see you speak, and I know that I was planning on doing that as well. So uh, I guess you're going to be talking about your walk. Yeah, I'll be talking about my walk. It's the, the last one. Uh, it's right before Stefan Molyneux's speech. Fantastic. I'll see you then, and thank you, Will, for coming on Free Talk Live tonight. Thank you. More on the way here. This is the live Saturday edition of the program. We're going to try to sneak in your phone calls at 800-259-9231. You can talk about uh, New Hampshire, Liberty, or whatever you want. This is, of course, Free Talk Live, so you can bring up anything. Also, all night long, we are going to bring in more special guests here from the forum. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's the live Saturday edition, as always. You can talk about anything. It's going to be a little bit different because we've got an unusual amount of guests uh, this evening because, well, we're at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum put on by the Free State Project. We'll tell you more about the festivities and the events of uh, today and tell you about a little bit more about what's coming up tomorrow because it is not over yet. It is not too late for you to get out here and experience the Liberty Forum for yourself. There are daily passes available. So show up at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Nashua tomorrow morning and get in for uh, for the enjoyable Sunday um, the activities that will be going on. So it'll, it'll be a great time. Uh, freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get more information about that. The 57th running of America's legendary sports car classic runs Saturday, March the 21st at Sebring International Raceway. The Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida, features the fastest race cars in the world. Gates open Wednesday, March the 18th for four days of action, culminating with the big 12-hour classic on March the 21st. So it's coming up here. I guess it's just going to be two weeks away. For tickets information, for ticket information, visit SebringRaceway.com. For those of you in Florida, this is a great event. SebringRaceway.com. Okay, so we're going to have to do kind of, we have to do a balancing act more so on Saturday night tonight than we normally do when we're here at the Liberty Forum because obviously there are a lot of interesting people here at the Crown Plaza Hotel that we want to talk to. A number of the speakers that we talked to or that were out to, uh, performing today and just interesting guests around the hotel. Right now, uh, actually, uh, Dick Heller is on stage. He, or shortly, will be taking the stage 
and he will be uh, the keynote speaker for tonight. Now, you may have heard of uh, Richard Heller. He is the man who was involved in the Heller versus D.C., a very historic gun case uh, in the, that hit the Supreme Court last year. Last year yeah. So I want to get to more of our guests, but we've also got calls on the line. So we're going to go to your phone calls and talk to Lori in South Carolina listening to WSC-FM. Hello, Lori. Uh, that's Marie. Oh, apologies. Marie, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, thank you. Um, What's on your mind? I just wanted to make two points tonight. Um, one of them is the um, so-called State of the Union speech that President Obama gave when he mentioned the um, the school in Dillon, South Carolina, was was um, located near a railroad track. I kind of wonder who the genius was that uh, decided to build a school near the railroad track or if the railroad track was planned to go by the school. So, I have I mean, to say I'm, I'm a little point. bit in the dark. I don't watch speeches by presidents. Uh, so what was yeah, I got it tired that, of getting lied to. Right. What was it that he was pointing out by saying that the school was by railroad tracks? Um, he was saying that the school had leaks in it, and it was um, really old, and it was um, not, you know, um, serving the students there. It happened to be an African-American population, I believe. And um, he pointed out the girl that wrote the letter to Congress about, you know, building them a new school. And um, the school so happens to be located near a railroad track. And so when every time the railroad comes by, they have to stop school like six times a day. So my point was that, you know, who's the genius that decided to build the school near the railroad track in the first place? Some government bureaucrat. Yeah, that's what I was going yeah. to say. The government, the government, this is how the government does things. They, the government says, we'll solve a problem, which is, you know, they, the perception that poor people can't get educated. And so then they solve the problem, but they make mistakes in the process, so we'll solve those problems. The government isn't constantly in the business of solving problems that they perceive that somebody has, and they do it at an incredible cost. They do it always behind schedule. They're the worst institution to solve any problem. That's right. That's right. So what was your other point tonight? Okay, um, the uh, so-called Employee Free Choice Act, or otherwise known as Card Check, um, I think that's really a, a terrible idea because um, if you don't have people voting on whether they want to join a union, which which they can do right now, it's just so, right. it's just that they keep losing those elections. So what they want to do is change the rules, and so this union representative can go around and get people to sign the card, say. Do we still have our caller, Marie? Do we lose Marie, or did we lose they our network? They to sign their name for them. I mean, it's just open to fraud, you know, up and up. So, so um, wait, I'm would... sorry, we missed a part of what you were saying. We had some technical difficulties. We're on location. You were saying that this uh, this union legislation is this the, is this the stuff that is uh, going to change the rules so that they have to do a uh, like a, a a non-private vote? They actually have to no blind uh, balloting, yeah. Is that what you're right. referring they, to? They have to check a card or sign a card or something saying they want to unionize. And so that means that the voters can be, uh, they can have their arms twisted ever more so than, than in the past? Pretty much, pretty much. Or um, a union representative can just decide to sign somebody's name on the card without even asking them. I mean, my point is it's open wow. to fraud. Yeah, it's open to I, fraud big time. And what happened? What would happen to a business owner if the business owner were to say, let's say the the employees were to legitimately so-called vote for a union, as though there's some sort of legitimacy to that anyway? But let's say that 51 percent of the employees vote to have a union. What would happen if the employer just said, "You're fired"? What happens then? Well, is that wrongful okay. termination? 
Um, I don't know. Um, if that's the case, you know, they have a couple of choices. They can get rid of employees, they can raise their prices, or they can close down their business and decide to locate somewhere else. So, I mean, those are three options that I think that would happen. And, um, you know, somebody's going to lose their job if they have to raise their, you know, prices and stuff. Because, I mean, or, you know, the business will just close down. Yeah. Thank you, Murray. I want to thank you for the call tonight. I got no problem with uh, labor unions. I think that people should be able to get together for whatever reasons they want to get together. I agree with you, but they shouldn't be forced on a business owner, and she didn't know. Or forced on the other, uh, you know, the other employees that uh, don't want to unionize. Right, and that's or, what you know. And, and when by force, I mean any time they enact laws that are these pro-union laws. As far as I'm concerned, if an employer wants to fire somebody who's gotten into a union, they should that's be their to. business. But I'm and, concerned that they won't be able to because what's probably coming along with this. I mean, if you think about how difficult it is to fire somebody, I don't know if you've ever been in employer i have not but uh, my my girlfriend julia is a manager at a restaurant and it's not an easy process to, to let somebody go i mean there are all kinds of laws and even here in new hampshire where the laws are, are are not as strict and stringent as other states it's still difficult i mean these people can come back with lawsuits so uh, they can go to the state they can cry and the state will come back and you know attack the the business that fired them so i imagine that same thing would happen if a business owner decided to say well, I don't care if 51% of you voted for the union. You're all fired. That might be the grounds for a you know, class action I'm sure, suit against I'm sure. Them. So what a nasty situation. Let's continue and talk to Wilbur in Stanford. You're on Free Talk Live. Wilbur. Hello, uh, uh, Mark, Ian. How are you? Hey, oh, Wilbur. You know what? We're going to have to put you on hold there, Wilbur. More coming back here with Wilbur. You know what? I just realized, Mark, we have, uh, we've got a new technical situation here at Free Talk Live, and it may not, I don't know how transparent it's going to be, but finally we have had our network, the, the wonderful Genesis Communications Network, install what they call a dump machine on Free Talk Live. So just wanted to, uh, to alert people to that. And because of that, we're going to, this, the show's going to sound a little different than it normally does, at least for this week. Only for the tech geeks. Right, but what also, well, you might notice for, formatically, sometimes we'll take a call right up to the very end of the segment, but because of the way the dump technology works, we can't really do that at this point in time. They are, however, getting a newer dump machine, which should be installed probably by next weekend, that will eliminate that problem. So for now, we're going to have to put Wilbur on hold, but we'll come back to him. And we're going to talk to, uh, coming up here, Patry Friedman from the Seasteading Institute, talking about creating a Liberty Enclave, or maybe more than one, uh, on the open seas. And we've had Patry on the show before, but now he's actually here in person at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It's the 2009 Liberty Forum, and we are here to talk to you also about whatever you want. 800-259-9231 is the number. It's the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. Live, it is your show. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's a live Saturday edition. We're broadcasting extra live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It's put on by the Free State Project. It's a yearly event, and it is a wonderful occasion. It's a great opportunity to get together with hundreds of like-minded individuals, people that get 
freedom. They understand liberty. They understand what allowing their neighbors to be free is all about. And getting people like that together to the same hotel to brainstorm, to attend panel discussions, speeches, to uh, have dinners and, and luncheons and uh, after-hours parties. And it is just a great time. We're going to tell you more about the event here as the night goes on. Still going to get your calls in about whatever you want. And we'll be talking to special guests here all night, people that have been speaking uh, today and this weekend here at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum in Nashua, New Hampshire, at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Earlier today, uh, early this morning, Mark Stevens kicked things off. And I had the pleasure of being able to introduce him to what would I, what I would say was a fairly packed room for 9.30 in the morning. There were a lot of people that got up to see Mark Stevens, and it was well worth it. Mark Stevens from, uh, from MarkStevens.net, that's Mark with a C, talking about the delusions that people suffer from, the delusion that government is anything other than a band of men and women who are, uh, who are threatening people in order to get their way, who are willing to use violence in order to... Uh, to get you to comply with their demands. And uh, that's a very basic uh, description of what he was talking about. Plus, uh, the, right after that was uh, Patry Friedman from the Seasteading Institute. And we've had Patry on within the last few months on the show as a guest, and he's now joining us here in our plush studios at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Patry, get real close on that microphone. Good Howdy. evening, and welcome to Free Talk Live. Thanks. So is this your first time in New Hampshire? Uh, yeah, it is. So, obviously, first time ever doing any sort of event for the Free State Project. First time experiencing the synergy of being around hundreds of like-minded individuals. I mean, there are other liberty-oriented conventions that happen from time to time, and I imagine you've probably been to a few of them. How do they compare? Well, actually, um, I met Jason Sorens uh, the first time I gave a seasetting talk five years ago at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. And, mm -hmm. you know, it... It, it was neat. It, it was a good group. It's always good to get libertarians together. But the energy here of people who are out there trying to actually do things, trying to make liberty happen, is just it's a whole other level. It's something you're absolutely right, and that's that's how I feel. Uh, when you have like a libertarian party convention, it's just so much stuffier in comparison to something like this. Uh, because here at the the Liberty Forum, there are people who are approaching liberty from a variety of different directions. It's not just people that are running for office or engaging in the political lobbying process. It's people that are, we've had a large amount of, of voluntarist speakers. I mean, Mark Stevens is a voluntarist. Tomorrow afternoon, uh, the entire event will be wrapped up by Stefan Molyneux, a well-known voluntarist. So it's a, it's a much more well-rounded group as far as their people's opinions as, as to how do we get from where we are today to the free marketplace. And it's, and as you say, these are the people that are, their boots are on the ground already. They're out there, they're doing things. It's not just a group of thinkers getting together to debate policy. And it makes a big difference. Patry, um, speaking of uh, voluntarists, you have, uh, you know, huge sort of economic uh, anarcho-capitalist cred. Uh, who was your grandfather? Uh, Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman. So, you know, the big thinker that uh, sort of set uh, economic policy in the United States a great deal and Argentina, as I, as I recall. Um, and so you've been using sort of your credibility to build momentum behind this, uh, this seasteading. What have you, why did you get into the sort of seasteading idea? What, what, were your, what was your inspiration? Well, um, I'm interested in how, I guess, liberty in our lifetimes really sums it up. I mean, I, I want to live in a free society. There isn't a free society. I hate, absolutely hate that. I don't just want to talk about it, blog about it, philosophize about it. I want to actually be able to live it. And so I, I did a bunch of research, and, and building floating cities maybe kind of seemed like a kind of a crazy way to get liberty in our lifetimes, but that's, that's really the goal, and that's why I'm doing it. 
Well, you know, somebody has to have a big vision in order to carry out something amazing. I think it's possible. You just have to get the funding, pretty much. Well, people, some people would argue, well, that seems crazy. Why not just, uh, you know, run for office and win some elections and uh, you know, <laughs> get some freedom that way? Yeah, that's, that's worked really well so far. Right. I mean, it, the way we look at it is it, it's not just a problem of, of spreading the word, but economics is all about incentives and analyzing systems. And it's, it's not natural. Our human way of thinking is we evolved in tribes and we think about people and we think about being able to sway small groups of people with the passion of our ideas. But really in the modern world, when you have large societies composed of hundreds of thousands or millions of people, it's all about the systems, the incentives, and how you structure them. And I think that democracy, as a lot of people have argued, public choice ec economists among others, it's, it's a bad system. It has bad incentives, and it doesn't lead to good laws. It, 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 as we say here on the show, it really just uh, has, has politicians rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies, and uh, they're, they're incentivized to give free crap away to the, the, you know, their friends and uh, you know, do it at the expense of you know, the people that they don't like, whether those people are rich or whether those people are the workers or whatever it is um, that those politicians may be thinking. That's how it seems to work. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, democracy, I mean, let's not forget democracy is kind of the current gold standard. It's, it's better than what we had before, but it has, it has serious flaws. And anybody who's, there's no way you can research it and think that democracy reflects either what people want to be true or implements good policies to achieve people's goals. It just doesn't. And there's a mountain of evidence. Right. It, you know, the fact is, if we used a democratic, and I, of course, somebody's going to call in and say, we live in a republic, not a democracy. But the evidence is there's not much difference. Um, if we use the democratic system to decide what flavor of ice cream everybody got, you'd have vanilla for everybody. And there's really a bunch of really great flavors out there. But I'm you protesting be... that decision, by the way. What's that? I'm protesting. I'd, I'd prefer a different flavor. <laughs> yeah, same here. I would like it too. But unfortunately, if, if you allow the democratic system to kick in there, the majority rules, um, then you're going to have vanilla and it'd be illegal to try anything else. So can we tie this back in? Because we haven't actually had you uh, paint your vision as to what is seasteading. You've got a whole audience here of people that have never heard of this before. Sure. All right. Well, it, it's a little bit wacky, but here's the idea. Uh, let's think about government like, like we're business people, like we're analyzing an industry that we might get into. Um, the industry of government, it's got, it's got some really crappy characteristics. So the barrier to entry is really high. And what I mean by barrier to entry is how hard is it to start a new firm in this industry? How is it hard is it to start a new government? Well, to start a new government, you basically have to win a war, an election, a revolution. I mean, it's ridiculous. We spent, what, over a trillion dollars in Iraq to make a new government there. And, you know, you just can't go take over a country. It's, it's an insane barrier to entry. I mean, we think operating systems, say, or cars. We hard to design a new car, a new operating system. But it's really hard to get into the governing industry. The second problem is the cost of switching or the customer lock-in, right? When you have a cell phone company and you're locked into a multi-year contract, that cell phone company is not going to worry about how to serve you well during those years, not until it's time to switch. In general, the easier it is for customers to switch between different companies, the better those customers, those companies will serve them. Sure. I mean, it's just, it's just natural. It's just common sense. And you know, so the government in industry, it does terribly on this, right? It's, it's an industry where you have these few big companies, the existing states. I mean, they're, they're enormous. They're huge, much bigger than any corporation. And customers are trapped. There's often there's laws against immigrating. There's laws against emigrating. It's, just, it's difficult to change countries. And so, I mean, totally aside from any, you know, any particular political philosophy, just a rational business-like analysis of this industry is it's going to focus on exploiting its trapped customers because nobody can compete and the people can't leave. 
Right. If you don't buy their product, um, if you don't pay for their product, you get thrown in jail or killed or whatever. I mean, the government... Have your kids stolen from you, thrown out of your house. You know, and people don't look at government that way. They just want to control other people's lives. But, you know, it's been shown time and again that freedom works. And so um, what is it that you're planning to do to increase freedom? Well, so when we look at government this way, we can see why this crazy idea of floating cities might might not be so crazy. So... Right now, we think that we can build a floating city where someone can make a new country off the coast for maybe tens of millions of dollars, which is a lot, but it's way, way less than it would be to take over an existing country on land to win a war, an election, a revolution. There are probably some uh, some liberty-minded people out there that pay tens of millions in taxes every year. I mean, really, that's yeah, that's some right. change for some people. Especially if we if we talk about getting together. I mean, we're we're looking at a cost. Our, our initial designs they're, they're pretty expensive. We want to bring the cost down, but it's about what houses in ex- the most expensive places in the U.S. cost in San Francisco and Manhattan, hundreds of dollars a square feet. So at what price freedom? Well, exactly. What's your website? Seasteading.org. Uh, S e a s t e a d i n g dot org. Now it's a ways out. I mean, the last time we talked, this is an idea that it's it's a great idea, but literally it is going to take a while for it to come to fruition. In the meantime, people should come to New Hampshire and join the fun up here. Patry, it's good having you on the show, and uh, enjoy the rest of the Liberty Forum. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. More on the way here from the Liberty Forum. We're going to take some of your phone calls about whatever it is that you want. Plus, we've got more guests lined up all night long. Uh, to talk to you about all kinds of interesting things. We're live from the 2009 Liberty Forum put on by the Free State Project. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Again, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy Free Talk Live and you like what we're doing on the show and you want to help support the show, you can do that by becoming an amplifier. And a lot of the people at the Liberty Forum are Free Talk Live amplifiers. In fact, a whole lot of people at the Liberty Forum are Free Talk Live listeners, which really blew me away uh, yesterday when our, one of our co-hosts, Wayne, was introducing Glenn Jacobs from the WWE. He made several plugs for Free Talk Live, but made a point of asking a full room of people how many of them were Free Talk Live listeners and I was bowled over by the amount of people that responded positively. I, mean, I remember uh, the first Liberty Forum three years ago, Mark. We were at that. We've been at mm-hmm. every single Liberty Forum. And that question was asked, I think, back then. And I would say about 20 to maybe 30 percent of the people in that, that room at the time were Free Talk Live listeners. I think it was probably about 50 percent now. Wow. So <laughs> you know, this is kind of turning into as an al- alternate, like a Free Talk Live convention where Free Talk Live listeners it's a lot like that. Yeah, get together and uh, they get to, uh, get to know one another. And we don't even have to do any work for it. We don't have no. to. Uh, to it's put, nice of them to set up this Free Talk yeah, Live convention for us. <laughs> to put it together. So thanks to the Free State Project for putting on a great event here. We, as again, we continue on tonight. We'll tell you more about the Liberty Forum and what happened today, what's happening tomorrow. Get some more guests in here. I spotted Bradley Jardis out in the hall from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. We're going to bring him in here. And, uh, of course, Brad Jardis is the law enforcement officer in the country. I believe the law enforcement officer who's currently an on-duty street-level officer. There are no others like Brad Jardis. We'll bring him in here, and uh, that's coming up. The Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free, and the IHS covers meals and housing. The seminars are for college-age students who are simply curious about the libertarian philosophy to those who are passionate about liberty, even those who want to, uh, want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. You can go to theihs.com and register today. 
The deadline is March the 31st. So if you know a college-age student who's interested in this kind of thing, it's a free seminar. It's theihs.com. It shows 12 free seminars. It sounds like a great time. All over the country. Another excuse to go and meet more liberty-minded people and enjoy yourself. And learn at the same time. So let's talk to whoever's on the phone here. Let's start things out with Steve listening to WFLA in Florida. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you for having my call. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Steve? uh, Two things. The quote, Americans are a nation of cowards, and my own take on why the economy is tanking. Sure. uh, Who said that uh, America is a nation of cowards? Uh, Somebody in regards to race, but I don't mean about race. I just mean generally speaking. I'd have to agree... Americans are spoiled, coddled, truckled, media-controlled cowards. They only believe what the media tells them is appropriate to believe, and they don't have the guts to ask questions and to question authority It's, it's more than just the media, because the media is a reflection of the people. I mean, it's so essentially, there's always been a, kind of a chicken-and-egg argument uh, of whether the media creates the uh, the public opinion or the public opinion creates the media it may be a little bit of both just constantly feeding off of one another so you can't really blame the media fully they're just doing what they've been trained to do and that is parrot whatever it is the government says but i think you're absolutely right americans are um, for for the most part in many cases uh, cowardly and they don't think very much and that's what they've been trained to do the government system trains them i don't know cowardly is the right word for that they're cowardly because they won't do anything significant to set themselves free if they, they don't if they want realize, to be free a lot well of some of them do some of them do okay some of them don't and that's fine they can enjoy their lives uh, being slaves but uh, but but the american system the governmental system the prussian education system that we have in this country has educated people and inculcated them with these ideas of you don't want to take risks risks are bad don't take risks you want to get something stable for your life get a stable job work at it for 40 years retire at 65 etc etc so that's what they're taught to do and of course it's all information handed down from so-called authorities whether it's the government or organized religion or whatever this this the, the way that you're supposed to live your life, if you believe what the government schools say or organized religion says, you don't have to think about these things. They just tell you, okay, here's what you're going to do if you want to have a successful, happy life. And uh, they, that's, they just hand it down from on high, and most people, they accept it as God's truth. When in point of fact, it's just another man telling you or woman telling you how to live. Well, to, bo- to bolster your point, the media is made up of citizens. I'll agree with you there. Uh, but there is a vein of uh, jealousy and and uh, resentment of superiority of if anyone being better than the rest of the masses and all, all these things. Play, it's kind of like the cowardly lion facing the Wizard of Oz. He wants to run out of the building rather than think for himself and ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, if you think for yourself and you ask questions, then there's a chance, a real good chance, actually, that you're going to end up changing and shifting your paradigm. And it actually goes back to what one of the uh, speakers was talking about here today, Mark Stevens, uh, MarkStevens.net, was talking about all the delusions that people operate underneath. And again, it's delusions that are handed down from generation to generation, generations being re-indoctrinated with the same misinformation. And when you ask the right questions of these people, you can literally see see the cognitive dissonance just exploding in their brain because it's very uncomfortable 
to believe, to come to the conclusion, or to even, even to flirt with the possible, uh, possibility of making the conclusion that you were wrong all this time. That all of this time that you've been living your life as a young person or an adult or an older, uh, older adult, that the entire time you've been living your life, you've been living in a delusional state that you that what you thought was true was in point of fact actually false and that can be a very difficult situation for someone to deal with now i would i would say this everybody is living a fraudulent life everybody is living uh their lives based on a on a, a falsehood and and a norm that is considered to be healthy and and even killed and well-adjusted, is in fact insane and depraved. Yeah, it's a really backwards world that we're living in. But the more we talk about these things, the more people are going to come across these ideas and hopefully come to the same conclusions that we have, and that is that in order, if you want to be free, and I know a lot of people can do, I, can I wrap it up they have to point? allow people to also be free as well. Go ahead with your second point. We've got to get to some more calls here. Uh, the reason that the economy is tanking is because we're fraught with guilt and shame. And, you know, everything we do in this country is built on a scam. I don't care if it's the price of milk in a grocery store or the way they sell you this or the way they sell you that. If there's not an element of scamism and conmanship involved, it's not competitive enough to survive in our Well, I, I, think you're, I think you're looking at the wrong level of things there. You need to strike at the root. The real scam is the U.S. dollar. I thank you for the call tonight, Steve. The real scam is the Federal Reserve System that has the ability to print out money, so-called, from, right. pe from pieces of paper and right. it, as, it, though, it, as though the, the money supply. as though the American dollar isn't a scam in and of itself. People right. say it's, it's backed by, well, the power of the government or the people or whatever. That's that, nonsense. It's not backed by anything. It's just a piece of paper that somebody said was legal tender. That's a scam. It's a tool. It's the most brilliant scam, actually, I believe, of all time. It's a tool yes. to extract wealth from people without their knowledge. I mean, when you pay income taxes or you pay uh, your state, state taxes out of your paycheck, you can look at the pay stub and you can see... Okay, this is what they stole from me this week. It's pretty obvious. But with inflation, and most people don't know what inflation is. Inflation, inflation is printing money. Yeah, inflation is an increase in the money supply, and that's what the Federal Reserve does. That's its gig. It inflates the money supply. Uh, and so, 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 so with inflation, the way it works is if you've got a bunch of dollars sitting in a bank account or in your wallet or under your bed or whatever... And then I, as the Federal Reserve, decide, okay, time to turn on the printing presses. And then I let loose, and a bunch more new dollars flow into the marketplace. There are now more dollars chasing the same amount of goods. The amount of goods in the marketplace hasn't necessarily changed, but the amount of dollars has. So, therefore, all of the dollars that you had have just now been made worth less by the introduction of new dollars into the economy. Did I explain that appropriately? I think you did, and if people just... just take a moment to research the amount of dollars that have been dumped into the system uh, within the last eight, nine months because of this banking crisis, the, starting with the, uh, the, uh, the insurance company, AIG, and all that stuff, you will see almost double the amount of dollars. The, double, the amount of dollars have almost doubled themselves. Therefore, the value of those dollars have almost halved themselves. Now, they, it hasn't occurred yet because, time to catch because up. there's a lag in economics. But 
that lag is what's going to be the next, if, if we're going to have some kind of terrible depression, and I, God, I hope we don't. Mm -hmm. I really do. But everything I see from an economic standpoint is that we will. A correction is happening right now. The only question is, how severe will the correction be? Yep, and I, you know, I, I, they're already calling it, and I don't know whether this is going to go down in history as that way, but when you look at the chart of the amount of dollars that have been printed, and uh, you can see this huge spike, this amazing spike. Imagine, you've got a sort of a sloping upward line, and then... It doubles Bam. in size yeah. in, this, in a series of a couple of months. They're calling it Bernanke's erection oh because, the, the chart, because the chart just spikes up in one, one point. And it's going to be, it, that's what I foresee. I foresee something awful. Oh, boy. 800-259-9231. You can uh, give us your predictions if you'd like or bring up whatever you want. We're here live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. More great guests coming up. Also, your calls about anything. Hour 2 is on the way. It's a live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the live Saturday edition, super live tonight from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum put on by the Free State Project. It's a once-a-year event, the third year that they've done it, and each year keeps getting better. It keeps getting bigger. There are more people here this year than there were last time. I was told by Chris Lawless, the organizer, that they have sold more full weekend passes this year than they did last year. That's a great success. Plus, uh, the speaker list is just as uh, incredible, if not better. We've had big-name speakers this weekend so far. People like Glenn Jacobs. You may have heard of him. He plays somebody you might know by the name of Kane on the WWE. He is here right now. He's been here all weekend long. Glenn Jacobs loves freedom, and it's great to have him on our side. Um, and also, just people all over the place here that, uh, that are big names in the liberty, industry, uh, the liberty world, like Dr. Mary Ruart. We had her on the show last night. Uh, lots of people speaking earlier today, including Boston Tea Party. John Taylor Gatto, who was the former Teacher of the Year in New York State, and he has now turned to the, uh, the good side and joined the liberty, uh, the liberty movement and is kind of revealing the truth of the government indoctrination system. He was here speaking today. And so many other speakers. I'm not going to go through a, a complete wrap-up. We're actually still in the midst of this Liberty Forum. There's still an entire day's worth of activities ahead of us and, of course, an entire night of the, the what are now becoming legendary Free State Project Liberty Forum parties. I don't know if I should reveal on the air here tonight what the entire hotel smelled like last night, but it was was very interesting. So we're going to jump into your phone calls here, and then coming up we're going to talk to Bradley Jardis. He is with us from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, but our phones are loaded. Brad, you can sit in on the mic for the calls if you'd like, uh, but we're going to jump into these phone calls here because people have been waiting patiently. Like, uh, let's talk to Peggy because the ladies come first Hi. on Free Talk Live. Peggy in Washington. Hello, Hi. Peggy. Hi. You're on the air. Oh, great. Hey, I'm, I'm Yod's mother, the guy who's doing the filming of this live podcast. Oh, excellent! Yes, you're. Uh, normally, we have a webcam on in free uh, on Free Talk Live, but because we're on location, we've got some technical difficulties. We weren't able to uh, to actually do our webcam. So, so your Hi. son is actually sitting here in our palatial studios at the Crown Plaza Hotel, and literally just sitting there holding his uh, his enough. iPod or iPhone rather, and recording the entire thing. His website, by the way, is quick.com forward slash yadravoat. That's a bit difficult to spell. It's Y-A-D-R-A-V-O-A-T, Q-I-K.com forward slash yadravoat if you want to see the video feed of this show tonight. But uh, what's on your mind, Peggy? Oh, well, I just called to tell you it's all your fault. What is? Paul moved, or my son moved all that way, and it's your fault. I don't know about that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure just, he's no, responsible for his I'm own kidding. actions. 
I'm kidding. It's really a great thing. I'm so glad he's so involved in this, and um, it's really changed his life. Seems like a dedicated young man. It's an amazing yeah. movement, and the, the perspective of liberty just makes so much sense. It's inevitable that people are going to get excited about this message when they hear it and take action. And, of course, the Free State Project allows them to take action in a way that heretofore has been uh, just unseen in the liberty movement. So it's great to hear from a parent that is supportive of their, uh, their, their young person getting into this movement, because I'm sure a lot of parents feel very threatened by the idea of their son or daughter leaving home at a young age in order to join together with a bunch of strangers up in, uh, up in some state far, far away from, uh, from where you live. So it's great to hear yeah. that you're so supportive. Yeah, it is. Well, everybody's first question is, oh, my gosh, is he joining some kind of a, a commune? Which is hilarious because, of course, it isn't. And nope. it's, it's also it. educated me on a great many things. So it's, it's just been a really great eye-opening experience. And I, I applaud you. I don't blame you. I was just teasing. Thank you. Well, um, thank you, I Peggy. I applaud you. It's great. And thank so. you for the call tonight. I really appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. It's not just a movement full of young people either. I mean, there are people of all ages within the Free State Project. It's just that younger people have the ability to move sooner rather than later. I mean, if you are 18, fresh out of high school, or, or 22 and fresh out of college, you just don't have very many strings tying your life down. So it's not a big deal to throw a suitcase in the back of the car and move your life, whereas if you've got a family, if you've got a, a, a business... Then you've got to throw everything in the house in the back of a U-Haul and move. And it's not even that easy. Yeah. I mean, you're tying up your business, loose ends and all that stuff, selling a house. That can be difficult. So that's why we're seeing in the Free State Project, we're seeing an influx of younger people in these initial years. The moves, uh, People have been moving here for a, for a handful of years now. And I expect we're going to see more families coming up. And there are families. Let me be clear. Some people have made it up that are families, uh, that, that, that do have families. Some people that are older, uh, older age, have moved here. So they're coming. It's just that I expect we're going to see more families and more people that have businesses coming in the later years, probably, you know, 2010 or 11 or 12 or something like that. And, of course, you could be here, too. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about this great movement. As we continue and talk to, uh, to Jeremy in Montana, listening to KGEZ, Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. Jeremy, got to turn down the radio when you're listening. Hello, guys. You're hey. on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I found a story today that uh, happened down in Florida. These, I guess these guys were running a uh, pirate radio station. with. Uh, they were telling people how to find the best weed within the <laughs> counties surrounding. They went in and busted them for... Uh, broadcasting illegally, and yeah. uh, and uh, I guess one guy had a little bit of pot on him in there, and so they mm. made a big deal out of that. And they tried; they said illegal drugs, but when I seen that they only found pot on them there at the station, you know, they tried to make it sound drugs, drugs, hard drugs, sure. or whatever. You know, bunch they, of dopers they, running a radio station. That's never yeah. happened before. And all they ever had was a little bit of pot. And, uh, you know, I was just wondering if uh, the guy that's a police officer against prohibition of pot might have something to say about that. And uh, also maybe uh, look up the story. Thank you, Jeremy, for the uh, the heads up on that. In fact, there are a lot of stories, and thank you for the call tonight. There are a lot of stories coming out of Florida. There are a lot of pirates down there. And as a result of that, the Florida legislature actually passed 
an anti-piracy law. So in Florida, if you're operating a radio, pirate radio station. Yeah, radio piracy. I, you know, I, I thank you for that. They yeah. use this terminology, running a radio station without a license. Right, slipping on a transmitter without asking, uh, begging government for permission. Uh, that's the crime. Now, there, there are not pirate, anti-pirate radio laws in any other states, yeah, from what I understand. Florida. Just Florida. So they passed a law specifically, and the reason was because the FCC is so darn slow and yeah. plotting at responding to any complaints about pirate radio stations. So the Florida government decided, well, we're going to take it in, take matters into our own hands. And they went ahead and they passed this, uh, this law that essentially makes operating a transmitter in Florida a, a crime. And so they've been going after a lot of stations. So, Brad, you have been called to the microphone here on this. Uh, Brad Jardis is with us from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Uh, your thoughts on what Jeremy had to say? Oh, wait a minute. Let me turn your mic on. That would help, huh? Go ahead. Well, enforcement of uh, any of the drug prohibition laws. Take that right up to your mouth, if you would, please. Well, enforcement of any of the drug prohibition laws, um, particularly uh, marijuana prohibition, is extremely unjust and dangerous in that it, you know, it does create the black market. Um, and I've worked in police work for 10 years, and I can tell you that marijuana is the most benign, mind-altering substance there is. Um, less so than alcohol. Much less so than alcohol, yet... Alcohol know, can kill you. Alcohol, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I would say alcohol is the biggest problem that we in law enforcement have, is people becoming intoxicated and us going uh, and dealing with them when they become violent because of it. Didn't you um, tell me you got kicked in the head by some drunk lady recently? Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, last two weekends ago I got kicked in the head by a woman who was drunk. And I've never gotten into any violent confrontation with anyone who was smoking pot. Anyway. Yeah, you know, you, you had said that you, you ask, uh, sometimes you'll ask uh, your fellow law enforcement officers this, the, this question is that, you know, how many wrestling matches you've been in with drunk people? How many with pot smokers? And it really just tells it all. Well, this is a, a very uh, touchy subject. Uh, I work with a, with a great group of people. A lot of them, uh, in fact, most of them disagree with um, the public stance that I take on uh, the drug issue. You know, these are people who... Even uh, if they agree privately. Even if they agree privately, and some of them do. Um, these are people who want to do the right thing and uh, make the community safer. It's just, for a lot of people, it's hard to look at the actual... Um, issue and dissect it and take it apart and say our communities would be safer if we weren't uh, enforcing this particular policy. Um, and all the facts point to that. Absolutely. Anybody that takes a objective look at the war on drugs has to come to the conclusion that it is an outrage against humanity. It is just a, a tragedy, a, just a, a tragedy multiplied by an un, un, a, just unbelievable factor. So many people are harmed in this. And, Brad, if you can stick around, I want to continue this discussion. Uh, more with Bradley Jardis here, a member of the law, of law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and I believe still the only active-duty law enforcement officer who's actually on the street level in America. Uh, so he's really a unique guy. If you've got a question for Brad, you can dial in 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday edition. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give to you. And that's the way a good talk show website should be. So enjoy that on us. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you uh, to access their websites. Ours is free. Free Talk Live. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, when you order, uh, make an order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. 
What do they got at AdamEve.com? Well, it's not apples and fig leaves, I'll tell you. <laughs> so we're back here uh, from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. There's a lot going on this weekend. Lots of great speakers and hundreds of liberty-oriented people that you can socialize with, network, and, and meet new friends. And it's really just a fantastic time. Uh, people have been enjoying it all weekend long. Inevitably, the crowd is going to grow larger here in the Free Talk Live studios uh, over as the uh, the night goes on. So you'll likely be hearing some cheering at some point to give you an idea of exactly how many people are here. There are some people here. And uh, they're sitting here enjoying the show, enjoying their dinners, and enjoying one another's company. It's just a great time to be around like-minded people. One of those like-minded people is Bradley Jardis. He is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition and a current law enforcement officer, which is really unusual because we've talked a lot about Law Enforcement Against Prohibition on this show. We've had some of their speakers on before, and most of them, 99% of them, are retired from the law enforcement game. And then they decided to join Law Enforcement Against Prohibition because, well, the reality is... There are a lot of politics that are played within a police department or within any government bureaucracy. And if you come out against the war on drugs, the insane, destructive war on drugs, if you come out against that publicly as a law enforcement officer, you could really face some serious consequences because they'll do whatever it is they can do to make your life a living hell. Now, Brad, you have been on the show a number of times in the past, and we've been talking to you. We've talked to you plenty about uh, the war on drugs and your opposition to it, and, and it's a completely sensible position that you come from, and I think a very honorable one and a very courageous one for someone in your position. But over uh, over time, you have been a speaker in law enforcement against prohibition, but at the same time, you weren't really out on Front Street as far as what department you worked for. That was information that if you dug enough, you could find out, but it really wasn't on Front Street. You weren't really wearing it on your sleeve, so to speak. Recently, that all changed. There was an article in the Union Leader, which is a big, uh, big newspaper up here in New Hampshire, that featured you and two other law enforcement against prohibition members who are all located here in New Hampshire. Now, the two others were a couple of jail superintendents, one of them from Cheshire County, which is where we live. The other one, I'm not sure uh, what county he's from. Uh, Superintendent Ron White from Merrimack County. And th- these guys are both bosses. Merrimack. What's, uh, what cities are in Merrimack? Concord. Concord, okay. So, uh, so these guys are in charge of these jails. They know, they see these prisoners come in, and they know what they've been charged with. And they know, I think uh, Van Wickler over in Cheshire County said something like, you can verify this, but he said something like 13% of his current prisoners are there for dr- simple drug possession. Yeah, he, uh, 13% for simple drug possession, but a lot What about more- VOP? I was just going to say, a lot more are in there because they were sentenced for something, and then they were subject to a drug test, and mm. their urine showed that more than likely they smoked marijuana. And people are really incentivized when they're on probation to use more dangerous drugs like cocaine because that's in and out of your system. Like in a weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Within 24 hours, it's out alcohol of your system. Alcohol, too. Uh, alcohol, too. So you're, you know, if you use marijuana, which is safer, uh, provably safer, at least mm. according to the FDA, um, if you use marijuana, which is safer, it's going to stay in your system and put you in jail. So you're incentivized to use things that are far more dangerous. So you got on this uh, newspaper article where they were, they were interviewing you and these two jail superintendents. And, of course, all three of you are LEAP members, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, their website, LEAP.cc. And then the S hit the fan, as they say. What happened after this article came out? Because the article did reveal the department that you work for. Yes, uh, it did. And it's important that I, I point out, I don't speak for any department. I speak for myself. Brad Jardis, you speak for him. I speak for, usually I speak for him. <laughs> I, speak, I speak for Brad Jardis and I speak for law enforcement against prohibition. 
I work with a great group of people who I have the utmost respect for. My police chief is a very good man, and I would give the guy a kidney if he needed it. But what they're doing is what they think is best, which is enforcing the current policy. And that's what I do, too. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that the current policy that we have creates so many problems, whether or not it's turning a kid into a criminal for the rest of their life because they're caught with marijuana when they're 16, mm -hmm. or it's uh, uh, inflating the black market, or it's turning uh, someone who's addicted to, uh, to uh, a dangerous substance to crime in order to, to fund it. A lot of people don't know that the price of drugs sometimes is inflated up to 17,000%, and that's for no other reason than us having a black market. Just the, other, so true. Uh, just the other day, I went to Walmart where this uh, individual who was known to me and other people I work with um, to be uh, addicted to heroin, and he's going into Walmart to return items that he stole from a different Walmart in oh order to, to pay for his habit. Mm. Um, and, you know, I say every time I'm interviewed in the newspaper that I haven't been to a burglary or a robbery call that I can remember any time in the recent past that wasn't by someone who was addicted to a hard drug who needed money to buy more. Absolutely. There's all these people who are victimized by um, these people who are sick, but we treat them as criminals. They're, they're, they're victimized by these people because they need money for drugs. And, you know, we treat alcoholism as a public health problem, but we treat someone who's addicted to drugs as a criminal and we put them in a cage, and that's just wrong. Absolutely morally wrong. There's no doubt about it, but you saying these things has really upset some of the people that you work with at the police department. Well, it, it, they become upset by it, I think, because, because I'm not too sure that they understand what I'm trying to do. Again, I mean, I, I say, and I'm not just saying this, I'm, I work with some really good people. And what I'm trying to do, I spend time trying to educate them in the sense that, you know, this isn't about whether drugs are good or bad. All right, because there are some drugs that are better than others. There are some drugs that even someone who admittedly uses drugs would never touch. And anyone who is educated on the issue would know that. This is about, this is about the policy that we enforce that causes crime, that turns kids into criminals. And I use this example all the time. If President Barack Obama, who openly admits that he used to use cocaine a lot, if he had been caught and convicted, he would be another black felon. Sure. And unfortunately, one in three black men... Um, is likely to serve a prison sentence. And wow. he, he most likely could be another one. He would have never been admitted to the bar. He most certainly would never become a state senator. He never would have become a U.S. senator, and he certainly wouldn't become our first black president. He made poor choices, and he should not be a criminal for it, but we continue to turn kids into criminals for life because they do something stupid. Right. Barack Obama's a criminal for other reasons, because he's in the government. But that's a whole other issue. Well, that makes me a criminal, too, right? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're an accessory to crime. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a reality. <laughs> you guys, unfortunately, I mean, you, you admitted that you still enforce these laws that you disagree with. And, uh, and when you're taking freedom, and you know this, when you take freedom away from somebody, you have, you know, you've, you've kidnapped them. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's sanctioned kidnapping. You're never going to get in trouble for any of it. And I think that you should be forgiven for it. I don't believe that, uh, that the people that are currently engaging in enforcing these bad laws should be paying any price in the long run. All I want is them to stop. Just we, stop it. We need to stop putting people in jail that we're mad at. Yeah. Period. I we mean, need to persuade. We need to, if you want people to do what you want them to do, use the powers of persuasion. Stop waving guns around. I mean, that's all the government has is their only solution is let's threaten people with guns and cages and see if they behave. And you know what the reality is? They don't. They still do whatever it is they want to do. People don't think of it that way, though. 
Punishment should be for people that hurt people and people that, that take things that aren't theirs. Can you stay around for another sure. segment, Brad? More with Brad Jardis here. I think we've got at least one phone call for you. 800-259-9231. Brad Jardis from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition coming back on Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. We are live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It is happening in Nashua, New Hampshire at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Hotel is packed. It's sold out. You can't get a room. You can get a room in some other hotel in town uh, so you can still enjoy the Liberty Forum because there's an entire day's, le- uh, day's worth of activities happening tomorrow. So you want to be here for that, including Stefan Molnieu, the final speaker to wrap everything up tomorrow afternoon. That's going to be great. Yes, woo indeed. Uh, I had the chance to meet up with Stefan today and sat in on a panel with him and Mark Stevens and uh, Sam from the Obscure Tooth Network was recording it. And it was just a great time. Talked about the, the coming voluntary society and how to get from here to there and you know why we need your help to help us do it here. Uh, all of this is put on by the Free State Project. It's a great organization that is dedicated to bringing as many liberty-loving individuals all to the same place as possible. Of course, that place is our very own New Hampshire. So we'll talk more about the Liberty Forum here as the evening rolls on. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. You can put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, and it's free. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. You can go over there and get a free account today at PrivacyHarbor.com. We are back here with Bradley Jardis. He is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and he's very unique in that he's currently the only LEAP member who's an on-duty active patrol officer. And, Brad, you are uh, up, you're in a department up here in New Hampshire, and recently you kind of got into some extra hot water. I mean, already the department was a little upset with you for joining Law Enforcement Against Prohibition because you're not towing the department line necessarily with your viewpoint on why drugs should be legalized. And, of course, that's what Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is all about. It's about bringing together current and former law enforcement professionals to oppose this insane drug war, to put out the truth about the war on drugs, and that is that it's destroying the very lives that it was originally intended to help, that it's hurting far more people than could ever have been helped by, uh, by this war on drugs. And you do a great job of communicating these things, and I think that's one of the reasons why your superiors at your department are upset with you, because you're such an effective communicator. You do a really great job at explaining these things, and it goes back to something we were talking about earlier, the cognitive dissonance that people feel when they're confronted with facts information, the truth, when they're confronted with the truth, and that truth contradicts the preconceived notions that have been placed in their heads by, for instance, the government indoctrination system or whatever training classes they took at the police academy. That's what you're experiencing when these guys lash out at you, as recently happened after you got published in a newspaper article up here in New Hampshire that that essentially revealed the department that you worked for. That's when all of a sudden they tried to put the hammer down on you. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened? Yeah, uh, just just to correct you first, I just found out that there is another uh, rank and file police officer in the United States. Where is he? Uh, in Maryland. Uh, right. And there's a detective named Dave, uh, a very good man who uh, works in um, Canada, and he is rank and file, and he's a speaker also. Great. Okay, so you're no longer the only one. That's great news. I'm glad to finally be able to announce that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm hoping that um, by my stepping out and um, by uh, Detective Dave stepping out that we certainly can get more people, uh, more officers to step out and say that this policy is wrong, it destroys lives, and we need to change. That appears to be scaring some of the higher-ups, though. Well, it's, it's scary for people, uh, just like the movie The Matrix. The, the movie The Matrix um, has a very good underlying message to it that when, sure. when you... Um, are told something that 
goes against what you've been programmed to believe or programmed to do, it's uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't want to face that. And I can understand that. but They'd have to admit they were wrong. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's okay to be wrong. We're human. and you know yeah, We're wrong all the time. Yeah. Do it every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the point is, I mean, I genuinely enjoy helping people in my job. And, uh, and I understand a lot, a lot of the things that we do um, does more harm than good. And drug policy, the current drug policy, certainly uh, does more harm than good. We need to be focused on harm reduction. We need to be focused on keeping dangerous drugs away from children. And we need to eliminate the black market. Because if anyone was to look at Mexico right now, the government is on the verge of collapsing. And it's co- going to collapse under the weight of the drug cartels that are um, just enormous because of the black market. There's a war going on. There, it, it is a drug war. I mean, we're talking soldiers, guns, machine guns, grenades. The people, cops up here have it easy. Oh, I mean, uh, there's no drug war in America. Well, it's like a drug peace where some people get arrested. Yeah, I mean, if, if things... I, if there was a real war, cops would be dying here, and they're not. Well, cops are dying, and it's unfortunate. But only because they're raiding people's houses. I mean, like, the, the drug cartels would be targeting cops for execution right. if there was a real war, and there's, that's not happening. Well, I think, it, I think that does happen. But what, what also is hard for police officers to understand, um, especially when it comes to my saying we need to legalize drugs, a lot of police officers find that offensive because it is true that people engaged in the black market do kill police officers. And... You know, cops, anybody takes offense to that because it's, it's terrible when someone dies, especially, uh, you know, it's terrible when someone dies enforcing the policy that everyone thinks is what's supposed to happen. But what people don't realize, or a, a lot of people don't realize in my profession, is that this is happening because of the prohibition. Just like in ni- the 1920s when police officers and federal agents were killed enforcing alcohol prohibition, this is happening now. We didn't re-legalize alcohol because it was good for you. We've illegalized alcohol because of the black market, the crime, and we needed to control it. Because the drug war was worse for you than the actual well, alcohol. They're, they're turning over this funding mechanism to these cop killers and these, uh, these people that, that harm other individuals in order to get what they want. Uh, and they're, they're, so they're growing their ranks, and that's really the problem. The drug war funds organized crime. I want to go to some phone calls here. People on the line want to talk to you, Brad. Let's talk to Linda in Florida listening to WFLA. Linda, you're on with Bradley Jardis. Hello? Hi, Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, okay. I'm getting a little feedback. Excuse me if I can't hear you very well. We can hear you just fine. I apologize for whatever that might be. Go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, Well, I just wanted to say, number one, I'm a registered nurse. Oddly enough, I used to work a drug and alcohol rehab program uh, in a psychiatric hospital. And I will agree with you in that I never saw anybody in there because of marijuana abuse, but I sure saw a lot of alcoholics and mm-hmm. sure saw a lot of the results of their deeds with the people that they'd hit in the car. But uh, on a more personal note, this past Christmas in uh, uh, December 24th of 07, uh, my husband and I were leaving a restaurant, walking out to the car, and to make a long story short as I can, I uh, walked Thank behind you. a car, the car backed up and hit me in the knees, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, anyway, the long and the short of it was, I told him, I said, I think we better call a policeman. He said, go right ahead, I'm a cop, too. And oh, he proceeded geez. to back up and drive away. He uh, that, hit you and drove off after admitting he was a cop? Yep, yep. And it he doesn't was sound too bright. in the afternoon, and as soon as he took off his sunglasses, I could tell very easily that he was intoxicated. We were in, 
it's a little outdoor restaurant slash bar, you know. Mm-hmm. But I could tell he was drunk. And uh, so he drove away. When the uh, attending officers uh, came after my 911 call, uh, I had caught this license plate, and it was kind of an unusual one. That, uh, so that was the only way I remembered it, quite frankly, because I was in so much pain and you well know, not thinking about that. But uh, anyway, uh, I told the officer his um, uh, license plate number, and as soon as I did that, everybody's attitude changed. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, he, it was, uh, let's see, originally he was charged with careless driving mm-hmm. and felony hit and run. But when six months later and everything got down to the court, it was dropped to careless driving with a $120 fine and conduct unbecoming an employee. Wow, well, Linda, code. I want to thank you. We're short on time, but I want to thank okay. you for your call and your, and your story tonight. I want to get Brad's thoughts here uh, because this is uh, obviously it's not drug war related, but it is related to police corruption and how it is that the, the thin blue line, if you will, uh, closes around its ranks to protect its own when, when one of the thin blue line is under attack. The entire line is under attack, and they, they really do uh, protect one another. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Well, personally, I think that if, uh, if you work in law enforcement, I think you should be drug tested. And surprisingly, um, I'm not drug tested. Uh, and I think that people who decide to work uh, in the law enforcement field should be held to a higher standard. And unfortunately, um, there's a lot of hypocrisy, and that causes a lot of people to distrust law enforcement. And this particular situation sounds terrible. It's usually the reverse that ends up happening is the cops end up getting preference from their buddies in the system. They all go and hang out with one another on their off time. They're not going to hurt each other. I and mean, some of them even wear gang symbols. On, they even put gang symbols on their cars. Have you ever seen the, the little black uh, bumper sticker with a, a blue line through it? The that, thin blue line. Yeah, the thin blue line. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are extra live tonight, live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. And it is put on by the Free State Project, great organization designed to move as many liberty-loving activists all to the same place as possible so they can get active for freedom, whatever way that means. Activism can be a variety of different things. It can mean uh, getting involved in the political system. It can, it can mean doing civil disobedience. It can be uh, creating media. It can be uh, blogging, all kinds of things qualify as activism, but the most important idea is that we get as many activists together in the same geographic location as possible. That's the point of the Free State Project, and the point of the Liberty Forum is to really showcase the activism that's going on here, and of course to bring people together to network, to socialize, to enjoy one another's company, get to know each other. And I think that's happening year after year as people seem to be getting to know one another even better as time goes on. It seems like the uh, you know the walls have been lowered here uh, between people at the Liberty Forum and uh, the inhibition have been somewhat removed as people tend to uh, to be a little bit more comfortable with each other over time. And uh, new people are always showing up, new faces here at the Liberty Forum, which is really exciting because new people are always on their way to New Hampshire. We'll tell you more about it here coming up in a bit. Uh, we'll continue uh, taking your phone calls in a moment. The Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free, and the IHS covers meals and housing. Seminars are for college-age students uh, simply curious about libertarian philosophy or those who are passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. 
Go to VIHS.com and register today. Deadline is March the 31st. That's VIHS.com. We're sitting here in the palatial studios at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Nashville, New Hampshire, with Brad Jardis. He is a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Their website is leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C. Learn about why cops and former law enforcement officers are saying it's time to legalize drugs. It's time to end this insane war on drugs. And, Brad, thanks for sticking with us all hour. There's always a lot to talk about when you're here. Um, and I want to go and continue taking some phone calls with you here in the studio. So let's talk to Chris in Oklahoma, listening to Radio Free Oklahoma. Chris, you're on with Brad Jardis from LEAP. Yes, gentlemen, great job. I'm a uh, host of a radio show, Radio Free Oklahoma. We listen to you guys all the time here in Oklahoma City. We broadcast in Austin as well as Tulsa, so... You do a great job. Brad, I just want to let you know, um, a friend of mine who's actually in the state legislature here in Oklahoma has been keeping a lot of good information on the normalization of marijuana, not only for medical purposes, but he's actually striving to do what you're doing to get it actually, uh, the, the prohibition lifted, as well as he knows of uh, several dozen retired Department of Public Safety officers that were very upset to see a lot of arrests for bogus arrests going through and they've been in you know, law enforcement for well over 25 years. So I wanted you to speak to um, that as well as uh, the medical marijuana issue and if you've been approached on getting that, uh, that type of legislation through. I'm not too sure what your first question is. Okay, the first question is as far as do you have a lot of uh, colleagues in the Department of Public Safety, such as in New Hampshire, that either retired or active that do want to come on the ranks, but... Uh, they're, they're a little bit hesitant to, uh, you know, worried about their pension or retirement or getting a black mark against them. Well, it, it is a very, um, a, a very tricky situation to be in um, because it's, it's sort of, it's sort of saying one thing and doing another. And I know a lot of people um, have a um, have a hard time understanding that um, uh, how that can be done. Um, I do know several officers um, who um, who have said to me in confidence that they agree. Um, with the um, the public stance that I take, but they just don't want to be the ones to do it. Um, and certainly, I'm doing my career no favors by um, by doing what I do. But, no, you're not. <laughs> but you know, as, as someone who um, who values um, what what I do um, and who enjoys helping people, um, I think it's important that being a uh, quote unquote public servant um, that us who are a cog in the wheel, you know, we can see plainly, you know, what the problem with the wheel is. And I, I think it's very important that we stand up, and I'm hoping to encourage more people in law enforcement to stand up and say that what we're doing with the war on drugs is absolutely terrible, and we need to change policy. And to your exactly. second question, to your second question I, I think the, the marijuana prohibition as it's applied to patients is absolutely um, sick. Uh, insane. I mean, we're talking about people who are sick, some people who are dying, and these people say that smoking marijuana helps them. I mean, how terrible is it and how ironic is it that the government wants to protect them so bad that they're willing to put them in a jail cell? And, right. you know, I mean, I mean, this is some crazy. Instead of taking marijuana that a, a one I've seen video footage of some of these people using uh, the substance. They're done in two hits, two, three hits. I mean, they are where they need to be as far as getting the pain relief or, or whatever relief it is they're looking for. But the government says, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. Here, take all these pharmaceutical pills. This is <laughs> an addictive stuff. This is an issue that should between, be between a patient and a doctor. Period. The police, End of story. The police chiefs, the legislators, they should be completely out of the picture here. The problem is you can't grow Oxycontin 
in your house. Yeah. And that's a threat. I mean, it, growing a marijuana is a threat to the pharmaceutical The industry. big pharmaceutical companies like Purdue Pharma, they send lobbyists to Washington. We have private prisons that send lobbyists to Washington because they get money to put people in jail cells. Chris, I want to thank you for the call tonight. I really appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Tom in Florida. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Brad Jardis from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Uh, yes, sir. I just wanted to know uh, one thing. Have you ever heard of Michael C. Rupert? He, I have not, sir. Okay. Uh, he, he had a book called Crossing the Rubicon, and if you take and go to YouTube and type in Michael C. Rupert, he was a, uh, a, a drug enforcement officer for the LAPD. He may have been a, like a detective. He got too close to finding out exactly where the heart of the drugs were. He's got documents. He's had threats on his life. It's, uh, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour video. It would, it would, it would. Maybe if you can get a, get copies of it and give it to your, your uh, coworkers, and uh, I think I'm not, so, I'm, not so sh- I'm not so sure I'll give it to my coworkers, but I certainly <laughs> will look at it. Well, I mean, sure. it, once you once you see it, you'll 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 see exactly what what the story is with it. And I have to say that uh, marijuana is the cause of me being as young as I am right now. And that's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for the call tonight. What do you think, Brad? I mean, there have been a lo- there's been a lot of resistance, and there will continue to be a lot of resistance from within the law enforcement community to the idea of ending the war on drugs. Now, you say that also, secretly, privately, some people are telling you, Brad, look, I agree with you, but I'm just too scared to do anything about it. Uh, what do you think it's going to take? What's it going to take to show these current law enforcement officers that it's okay to go ahead and speak out about how they feel? I mean, they have been coming after you, so that's obviously somewhat uh, dissuade, uh, dissuading them from following your lead. What is it that we need to? What, what hump do we need to get over to really start to see some more people uh, in law enforcement? currently joining law enforcement against prohibition well i'm hoping very much that uh that other law enforcement officers will see that uh that i've stood up uh, i've been on the front page of the most conservative newspaper we have here in new hampshire saying that the policy is wrong and all i'm asking for and you know to people who think that it's absolutely insane for me to get up and say this all i'm saying is we need to change the law we need to we need to change the policy we need to we need to we need to focus on harm reduction, keeping drugs away from kids, um, and, and, you know, we need to get the black market out of it. To try to change people, unfortunately, is, is not a very easy thing to do. Sure. And, you know, people get into law enforcement um, to have it as a career. Um, it's not something that people get into as a, as a summer job. People want to do it for a career, and, and I very much would like to do it for a career also, um, but I understand that, you know, I'm, again, <laughs> I'm not doing my career any favors by standing up and going to the legislature and testifying against the Police Chiefs Association and testifying against the Well, now, wait a minute. Office. You're not doing your career any favors under the current paradigm. However, what I think you might be doing without even really realizing it is you're, you're creating new opportunities for yourself out into the future that are going to present themselves at some point. I mean... Uh, Eventually, what I mean, imagine let's let's imagine the Free State Project here getting more successful, e- even in the political realm. And, no, and now I know that you know politics is probably the most inefficient way to achieve change, but they're working at it hard here in New Hampshire, and I think we're going to see some progress, especially more so within the next few years. So let's say that a bunch of Free Staters get elected and uh, you know take over a city council somewhere. They could hire you as a police chief, couldn't they? I suppose they could. Now, wouldn't that be the sweetest deal, getting hired in as a police chief somewhere so you could actually set the, set the policy for the department? Because as a police chief, you could say, you know what, guys? 
even though this is the law, we can make it the lowest law enforcement priority. We can essentially de-enforce that particular law because, I mean, there are so many laws. You told me about the milk bottle one where if you put something that's not milk in a milk bottle, that's a crime here in New Hampshire. But yet the cops aren't staked out outside 7-Eleven watching people to see if they're coming out and, and doing this with their milk bottles. So it could be very easily uh, relegated. The drug war could be relegated to the milk bottle level if the police chiefs were of your mindset. So I think someday you might just be a police chief if, here in New Hampshire. If I were a police chief, I would tell my officers that there would be no such thing as a consent search. Because let's face it, some 16-year-old on the side of the road telling three cops, yeah, you can search my car, yeah. that's not consent. Yeah, he doesn't Give me better. a break. Brad, great having you on the show. As always, people can go to Law Enforcement Against Prohibition's website to learn more about LEAP. It's LEAP.cc. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for coming out to the Liberty Forum. Hour 3 is coming up. We are live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the live, the extra live edition. Normally we're live on Saturday nights on this show, but we're super live because we're here at the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum in beautiful uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, the Crown Plaza Hotel. Been enjoying the entire weekend. We started it on Thursday night. We're also live on Friday night. We had a whole bunch of guests in here talking about what they were discussing in their panel discussions and speeches over the this weekend. Been so many big names here at this event. It's been Absolutely great. I don't know. I haven't seen Glenn Jacobs. Maybe they're still. Uh, is, it, is it still going on the the closing speech or the the keynote speech? Okay, that's probably where he's at. Hopefully, we'll be able to pull Glenn in here before the evening is out because this is our final hour uh, live from the Liberty Forum this year. 2009 Liberty Forum has been a, I would say, incredible success. And our former co-host and now co-host for tonight, uh, Johnson, is sitting here uh, for who, who knows how long. But welcome back to the program, sir. Which is great to be back on the air finally after so long. Indeed. Always good to have you here. You arrived, was it uh, last Friday? Friday, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you've actually been here selling... The Free Talk Live, the very difficult to find these days, Free right, Talk Live right. swag. And tomorrow is going to be the last opportunity for anyone to get that merchandise for ever? some ever? time. No, 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 not oh, ever. Okay. No. For some time. For some time. So for an indefinite period of time. You are not sure when right. the Free Talk Live store will be reopened. Yeah, but it's just the difficulty of shipping the merchandise since I'm not warehousing it. Personally. Get real close on that mic for me. So, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to have you uh, sit in here for a little while as we take some of these calls. People have been waiting patiently uh, to talk to us here and uh, talk about whatever they want. That is the point of the show. You can dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231 and talk about anything. So let's talk to Serb in Utah. Serb, you're on Free Talk Live. Serb, Hello, Utah. gentlemen. Uh, hey. I'm sorry that you didn't bring me in when Officer Jarvis was on. I was kind of wanted to ask him a question, uh, which would be, uh, what does he think the, what do you guys think the effect of, uh, marijuana legalization will be on the other parts of the drug market that are still black market. What would the effect of marijuana legalization be on the rest of the black market? Yeah, for like people like use heroin and other... Well, it's going to take a lot of profit out of their hands. I mean, it's certainly going to reduce the amount of money that the black marketeers can make. Uh, but, it, I mean, the heroin and cocaine businesses are still going to go strong. And the, right. gover- and the yeah, government I was, won't be... I was, I'm just the government won't make as much money. 
hold on just a second. The government won't make as much money because half of all the arrests, um, you know, in, in, for illegal drugs are marijuana, and I believe half of them, more than half of them, are simple possession. So they get a lot of money just from you know, finding those people in probation and all that other stuff that goes into it. So the government wouldn't make as much money on the war on drugs. So that could either, A, result in them scaling back the war on drugs, or, seem likely. or B, them just taxing the crap out of the rest of us in order to go after the few crack uh, you know, heads and uh, heroin users out there. If I no, had to venture a guess... If I had to venture a guess, I'd say there'd be a very short-term lull in business for them, and then it would just be back to normal very quickly. Yeah, I Your think thoughts, because, sir? Uh, my thoughts are because of the uh, success in the drug war against marijuana, it's actually driven people to try other drugs like heroin and cocaine and other things because you know, if you, you can't get your drug of choice, maybe you'll try something different uh, if it's available, if you're experimental. Uh, I, I agree. As a matter of fact, salesmen, you know, that, that, that's just the sort of the, the supply-driven aspect of it. These drug dealers are salesmen, and, they, you know, they have the one, drug, um, the one product, marijuana, to sell, but there's other higher-profit um, products out there that they can sell, so there's no reason they wouldn't introduce those, too. So the legalization... And much more addictive, yeah, too. The legalization right. of marijuana, w it, you know, would result in fewer people on uh, those drugs. Yeah, I, I think guess. you're absolutely right about that, sir. Uh, that there's yeah. no doubt that if the drug dealers were not the location that people were buying marijuana, they wouldn't have the opportunity, they wouldn't have uh, the, you know, well, here, why don't you try this cocaine? Uh, we'll give you your first hit free or, or whatever, or your first bump. Yeah. Uh, so Mike, certainly that does lead to some people trying other drugs, there's no doubt. I mean, I would love to see marijuana legalized personally, not that I'm a user, but uh, I, I do have a concern that when it is legalized, because I do think that's going to happen, is that they're still going to have a large operating budget and they're going to make life more of a living hell than it already is for people who use harder drugs. Cause yeah, they may just okay. keep the same operating budget. I mean, Mark, you made the point that they they get less on the back end from the the users that they're arresting and finding, and that's true. But there's no reason why they wouldn't take all seventeen billion dollars or whatever the current drug war totals are at the federal yeah. level. Government funding doesn't work like business funding. So. <laughs> right, right. So no. so now they have less uh, drug users to arrest, so they'll just take fewer. that money or fewer uh, drug users to arrest, so they'll just take that same amount of money and uh, and enforce the drug laws as as strictly as they can. Hey, sir, thanks for the call tonight. Really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to uh, Mark is listening to WSCFM in South Carolina. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Mark, and Johnson. Mark, WSC, going once. Mark, WSC land, going twice. Let's try instead Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, Frank in evening. New York. Hello there. Good evening. Yes, I, was, I just wanted to uh, remind everyone that if we look back at the war on drugs over the last 30, 40 years, you'll notice that a big player in the drug business were the police departments. In Washington, D.C., you had police officers in the inner city selling drugs, protecting drug dealers, getting their uh, kickbacks, and you also had, uh, you know, the mayor twice elected, you know, arrested for cocaine abuse, Marion Barry, and things. And in New York, if you look at New York in the 1970s, you had, you know, the police department involved in the distribution of drugs, protecting drugs, getting kickbacks for the pension funds of the police officers through the drug dealers. And, you know, you had novels and movies that were made about stuff like that. Just think of The French Connection and some of the other films and works of art. So in a way, mm -hmm. it's always been uh, an illusion. And sadly, the people that pay the highest price are the victims that, you know, or attacked or robbed to feed the junkies' habits. 
and certain dealers will be taken off the street, and others will replace them. For every one dealer that's off the street, there are 100 ready to go. They want sure. the opportunity to get into the business. And we have to realize, too, that even our military and the highest levels of government have been involved in the drug trade. You'll remember General Secord, who came to light in the Iran-Contra uh, scandal, was involved in Vietnam in 1968 through uh, the 70s, flying out heroin from Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, you know, and the stuff was in body bags with dead soldiers. You yeah, have I actually just saw of... a movie about that. Hey, by the way, Frank, i got to thank you for the call. We're having some phone troubles there. Uh, but I just saw a movie about that story. It was uh, American Gangster, Ridley Scott's movie from uh, from a couple years ago. And it was based, it claimed to be based on a true story. And in that film, it was in the late 60s, uh, this, uh, this drug dealer in, in New York had he decided he wanted to jump over the heads of the suppliers and he took a trip out to you know uh, vietnam and hooked up directly with the producers of the, the of the heroin and, and started bringing it back in and undercutting the competition in new york city and it was an amazing story that's excellent to hear about because i've got that movie coming very shortly <laughs> yeah it was pretty good I mean, um, I, it wasn't as i don't think it was as good as blow i really liked blow it was, it was more of a fun movie right. uh, but this was definitely a good film you know it's an interesting point that he says about the cops doing the deal Dealing, um, it, to sort of combine Frank's point in the, the caller previous, uh, I think there would be sort of an interesting effect if uh, pot were made legal that you would get sort of the police now pushing these dirtier, more addictive drugs uh, as far as a public opinion goes of the police force, mm -hmm. which would be sort of interesting. I think there would be some sort of an effect there as far as to how uh, people are viewing the cops that are doing these you know, yeah, these are not heroes. Right. They want you to believe they're heroic, but I mean, and there's so much police corruption out there. I don't think people really understand it. They I don't think really... there might be that might have an effect in sort of revealing more of that corruption. If that were to, if, if pot were to go away, people wouldn't see that as innocent, as mm. as innocent as they may see it now. Slinging as innocent as like slinging heroin or something like right. that. Right. I don't yeah. think that you know the average Joe is going to uh, excuse. You know, I think people now ex will excuse a cop dealing pot, and they're not going to excuse necessarily as readily a cop dealing heroin. No doubt about that. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. There's a lot going on here still. I mean, it's, it's Saturday night. It's the last night, but there's an entire day full of activities happening uh, tomorrow, starting bright and early at 9 a.m. They're going to have something new happening at 9 a.m. at the Liberty Forum, and it's going to be the Liberty Open Mic Session. So if you get up bright and early, they're going to have an open microphone in uh, one of the, uh, the, the Parlor A here. So anybody will be able to go up and say whatever they want. So I guess it'll be kind of like karaoke, Mark. I guess it'll be kind of like Free Talk Live, except without the hosts in the radio stations. So it should be a good time, and there's a lot more to, uh, to talk about that's happening coming up tomorrow. Lots of people are starting to filter out from the keynote speech. Richard Heller is in the house tonight. Hopefully we'll be able to find Glenn Jacobs from the WWE and bring him over here and uh, continue with more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We're live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum, the best Liberty Forum of them all. People just keep coming here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, a brilliant concept created 
uh, designed to bring as many liberty-loving individuals here to the great state of New Hampshire to get them active for liberty so we can hopefully actually achieve more freedom in our lifetimes, and, and it's coming. The Voluntary Society is on its way. Uh, of course, in between here and there, we might actually get a smaller government to actually come about, and we're going to talk to Dennis Goddard here in a moment about um, actually making that happen. And so there's just a lot to do up here in New Hampshire. There are a lot of great opportunities uh, for activism both inside the system and outside the system. And this, this weekend is, is kind of a showcase of, of that. Uh, this weekend is an opportunity to meet the activists, meet a lot of the voices that you hear on Free Talk Live, a lot of the people that are calling in uh, and participating in the show, not just from inside New Hampshire, but people who call the show from all over the place. I mean, it's really, I was commenting to Mark earlier that it's, it's kind of turning into a Free Talk Live listeners convention. There are so many Free Talk Live listeners here. It's really... Listen to this. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So we're having a lot of fun here at the Liberty Forum. There have been a lot of great speeches and panel discussions, and there's still more to come. In fact, let me just highlight quickly here, because you can still show up if you're in the New England area and you're going to be, you can come to Nashua, New Hampshire, at the Crown Plaza Hotel tomorrow. There's a lot happening tomorrow. They expanded the schedule on Sunday. It used to end at 12 o'clock. Now it's going to end at 4. Uh, wrapping things up in the, eve- uh, the afternoon, Stefan Molnu will be speaking, and he is just an amazing guy. He came all the way here from Canada this weekend, and, of course, you may know him from Free Domain Radio. He is just a great personality. Very a great, quick. Yeah, great thinker as well, great philosopher. He's going to be wrapping things up, and he's a voluntarist as well, which is uh, which is really pleasing to me because uh, it's nice to see the Liberty Forum schedule expand out to include more voluntarist speakers, and I think it's done a lot to uh, to diversify, if you will, the the viewpoints that you can hear at the Liberty Forum. Then there's a lot going on during the day uh, as well. Will Buchanan, we had him on earlier. He walked across the country to get here to New Hampshire. He walked from Oregon to New Hampshire. It took him uh, the vast majority of 2008. He's going to be talking about his experiences. That's going to be a lot of fun. Dick Heller apparently has his own session. He's actually just wrapping up his speech right now at, uh, as a keynote speaker, but he's going to have his own session tomorrow. Pete Ayer from Bureaucrash will be speaking, and that's it's actually kind of disappointing to me because I like Pete. Uh, because he's speaking across from my uh, panel discussion. We have a media in New Hampshire panel discussion talking about, I presume, uh, the experiences of those of us who are in the media, who are creating our own media here in New Hampshire, and uh, having a you know panel discussion about that. So we're competing, Dennis, with Pete Ayer. Dennis Goddard is with us here from another television show here in New Hampshire, uh, which is New Hampshire Capital Access. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. You know, I, I just uh, ran into Pete, and he told me that he had some huge announcement he was going to make. During his no, session? Yeah, I have no idea what it was going to be, but I don't know. Maybe no one will be at the Free Talk Live session. I have no idea to see the huge <laughs> announcement. And no, I was just we'll listening see. to Dick Heller. Oh, my God. I had no idea. This, this dude put everything on the line. For that gun rights thing, everything. Which was a Supreme Court case that happened in 2008. Somebody, some people might have heard of it. Uh, essentially, it turned out that the individual does have a right to bear arms. Wasn't that the result of the case? Except the government can actually regulate the individual's right to bear arms, which means you don't actually have a right. It was a mess. That's just one of those many cases where I love the New Hampshire Constitution, not what I call the crummy federal one. Our, mm-hmm. our Article 2A says, quote, something that makes it really clear that it's your personal right, like all, all, individ- all persons have the right to keep and bear arms in defense of themselves, their family, their property, and the state. <laughs> so so uh, Dick Heller was speaking tonight. What are some of the highlights, Dennis? I mean, you were really blown away by it. Anything you want to share with us? No, it's just all really great, and you ought to get out here and see it. Yeah, well, Dick Heller is a Free State Project member. Yeah. And so this guy who is this, you know, firebrand activist in D.C. has basically said, okay, I'm out of here. 
I'm coming to New Hampshire. I don't know when he's coming to New Hampshire, but eventually he will be here. Glenn Jacobs from the WWE, also a Free State Project member. So lots of big-name people in the Liberty Movement have joined the, uh, the Free State Project and are going to be moving sooner or later. And the more people we get here, the better. The more people can get active in a variety of different ways. Now, Dennis, you're involved in the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. You're one of the founding members of that, I, I do believe. No. No, no I'm, I'm a Johnny-come-lately. I came and saw what was going on in the state, and you know, I, I, I like to call myself an anarcho-capitalist. That's because mm-hmm. I'm an anarchist and a capitalist. And I wanted to see you know, what's the most effective thing, what's working. And to me, I saw what the Liberty Alliance was doing. I said, I want to get on that train. These people are making it happen. One of the people that you work with there is Representative Dan Itza, who has gotten a bit of news coverage internationally recently because he was the, uh, the creator, the sponsor of a recent bill that unfortunately died uh, in the New Hampshire State House. But it was essentially going to draw a line in the sand to say to the federal government, hey, we've had about enough of your tyranny. If you take one more step, we're going to nullify this agreement. So this guy's a pretty radical dude for a, for a state representative. I mean, he's not a pure libertarian in any sense of the word. but I'm he's, working on him. He's, that's good. I mean, he's got a good influence in you because you, you're close to him and you talk to him a lot. Um, so hanging out with free staters is inevitably going to be a good influence on this guy. But nonetheless, he's not completely a libertarian, but he's darn close. He's pretty pretty principled uh, individual from what I can tell. He's going to be here tomorrow giving a, a panel discussion or rather a discussion as well. So there are a lot of reasons to come here to the Liberty Forum, even for the last day. You know, that you mentioned that bill that, that died. You know, that died with a margin of 35 people had to vote the other way and it would have gone our way. Now, there was a crowd of, I would guesstimate, 350 people, yeah. say 350 people that were just so intense about this. They showed up at 8 o'clock in the morning and they, they did it. They came out and said, yay, we love this thing. If a third, I'm, a third of those people took it out of their time to run for state rep, which in New Hampshire you can do with, you know, it's, it's not easy. that crazy. You know, you, you don't have to make a full-time job out of it because it's not a full-time job. And then if a third of those that ran got elected, which is pretty reasonable. It's not just this bill, but virtually every other bill coming down the pike, we would have no worry about some horrible status thing happening because we'd have a libertarian veto effectively, and we'd be on the offensive. That's what I want to see. I want to see bill after bill after bill, sound money, FIJA, this, that, the other thing, boom, boom, boom. I, I want to see the status going... You know, it's so hard defending ourselves it's against all this crazy stuff. Right, we can't take it anymore. Let's get out of here. Go back to Massachusetts. Uh, so you guys are working toward that, and more people are getting involved. You already have at least 100 volunteers in the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, and as more people arrive here, you will be able to do even more of these things. And as far as winning offices is concerned, you've, you've had some success. I mean, there are already Absolutely. four, is it, I believe, four representatives that are Free State Project members? Well, there's a difference between members and early movers. My understanding is that there's five early movers and at six uh, Free State Project members. And then like others, friends of the free and then there's project? friends of the free state project. It gets real blurry when you get here and you're actually working the thing. And you know, like, did you, ha, some of these state reps they don't know if they actually went to the free state project website. I'm sure they would if I said, hey, can you do this right now? They have no problem doing it. So it, it's not where there there are free state project members. It's the fact that we have a libertarian caucus, a liberty caucus in this state. Who else has that? How many other states have such a thing? You're lucky if you have one crazy libertarian that got elected dog catcher yeah. in your state. Absolutely. Anybody that's been involved in libertarian politics knows this to be the case. They know that 
it's virtually hopeless out there. That the, the, the you're so deluded, you are looked at as a crazy loon if you talk about freedom. And here we've gathered the crazy loons together, and they are actually making things happen. And Dennis, it's always great having you on the show. I, I do want to point out one thing yes. that happened. Um, you know, with 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 any time you go to the state house, be respectful even if you lose, because when you're not respectful, it really hurts the people who are there still fighting the next day. Thanks, dude. Always appreciate your time. 800-259-9231 is the number here. We'll try to sneak your calls in in these remaining moments. Plus, I saw Glenn Jacobs moseying around here. He might, uh, you might know him as Kane from the WWE, and you probably recognize his voice. We'll talk to him here in moments. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Live from the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum, it is our live Saturday edition. You can bring up anything as always by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We have been having special guests in and out all throughout the last few days as we've been broadcasting from the Liberty Forum. One man who we have not yet had a chance to get on and are always glad to have speaking with us is Glenn Jacobs. You might know him uh, popularly as WWE's Kane. He is a world wrestling entertainment superstar, I believe. Kane or, or Glenn, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian, what's up? Always. We have a live studio you. audience, too. I'm rather nervous, actually. We do. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. So, hey, are you still the world wrestling champion? Didn't you win the title this last year? Yeah, but sort of. Yeah, but I lost sort of. it. Yeah. You already lost it already? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Comes and goes. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was, it was a really easy match. I mean, I don't I don't watch yeah. generally, but I heard you won, and I said, I've yeah. got to see this happen. Yeah, and you cool. basically, what was it? You, like, walked in the ring and yeah. uh, walked out. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think you set a record for, like, the fastest match in, uh, in world wrestling history. Yeah, luckily history. I don't get paid by the hour. But we're not here to talk about wrestling. We're here to talk about freedom. And that's why you're here this weekend at Absolutely. the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Not only are you a Free State Project member, you also, you've already bought a house here in New Hampshire. You're kind of living up here at least part of the year on a vacation basis. And you were here at last year's New Hampshire Liberty Forum. We had the chance to interview you then. But last year, you weren't a speaker. And I was hoping to eventually see you become a speaker. And this year, they did give you that opportunity. What were some of the things that you were talking about uh, yesterday that maybe give us, you know, a brief version for our listeners that couldn't make it out? Yeah, I was talking about how people's worldview uh, becomes so ingrained in them. And, and that's what really we're fighting against is people have been indoctrinated ever since they were children in government schools to think a certain way, the statist way. And most people have never been actually um, exposed to liberty in, in any fashion. And also I tried to throw in some Austrian economics and uh, explain why the libertarian paradigm and the Austrian economic paradigm is a much better reflection of the way that the world really works than the status paradigm that we're all taught through school. I have to say that your speech was, I think, less than an hour, but I probably got more information packed into that uh, time period about economics in, in that one speech than I think I've ever really gotten in my life. It was Thank really, you very much. It was really it. informative, I have to say. So great speech, and hopefully they're going to have you back to do something else uh, next year. Maybe maybe they'll let you keynote the next yeah, year. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool. Actually, Dick <laughs> Heller's in there right now. And they're Is he talking still going about, yeah, on? Yeah. Yeah, so wow. I, I've got to split and get back in there. So. Oh, okay, well, that's okay. fine. Let's you wrap can, this up, buddy. You, you can zip on out of here okay. anytime you hey, want Hey, thanks to. for having me on, guys. Glenn, it's always good having you, dude. Keep up the great work. Glenn Jacobs, he is a, a, tremendous, a tremendously large individual, but also tremendously large intellect. Uh, the guy is brilliant. I mean, Johnson, I don't know if you had a chance to yeah. talk to Glenn very much. I mean, Johnson with us here on Mike, too. I'm wondering, you know, a lot of the, uh, the talk that he has is very cerebral. I was going to ask a question, but he had to run out the door, but... Um, 
I'm just wondering if that, as far as an approach, it sounds like an interesting way to approach people to discuss freedom is to start with that economic policy and to start with that as a way to really sort of explain here's why this isn't working. I mean, it's something that's so very straightforward to almost offer proof, like, here you go. Right, and it's it's kind of funny coming from somebody like Glenn. I mean, he's the, in case right. you don't know, he, he, how would you describe this guy? Huge. <laughs> he's the biggest man I've ever encountered. I mean, he's he's a monster, and and he, if you watch him on television, he plays this role in the, the wrestling uh, federation. But uh, but he's no nothing like his 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 personality in, in wrestling. He's really just a sweet guy, just a really nice guy, and he's he's a brilliant communicator. So you kind of see this hulking mass, this uh, gorilla of a man getting up to, uh, to give a speech, and then he's eloquently speaking about economics, and it's like, hello, yeah, wow. The character that he plays is sort of the opposite of a communicator. Right, you expect him to be smashing beer cans on his head or something like that, but in fact, he's really probably the, one of the most brilliant men in the room. Uh, Glenn Jakes, is a, he's an amazing asset to this movement, and, and of course, he's not the, actually, he's not the only wrestler. Uh, Glenn will yeah. tell you that he was actually introduced to Free Talk Live by another one of the wrestlers, Val Venus, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Sean Morley is his real name. And, and then yesterday we had Michael Manna here, who is a right. former WWE superstar. He's now st he's still doing wrestling, but for a different organization. So like, there's this little club of wrestlers, pro right. wrestlers, that is really into liberty, and I think that's so cool because it's that's going to be an inroad for a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't necessarily find this movement. They're gonna you know they're gonna be googling Glenn. Jacobs or something like that, or they're going to be on his Wikipedia article, and they're going to find out this guy believes in free markets. It's making me feel bad because, you know, Torgo, another former co-host from mm -hmm. a long time ago, uh, he got me into wrestling for a while, and I watched, and now, like you, I haven't been watching, and I feel like I need to catch up. Because, I, I mean, I, I, I was invited to a show that's in Connecticut, and so now I feel like I need to at least be somewhat versed and know what's going on. Oh, did Michael like, Manna uh, Man yeah, invite mm -hmm. you to a show? Yep. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. And, you know, it, that, that form of entertainment is, I think a lot of people put, like, a stigma on it, but it really is, if you watch it, there's... It's like a soap opera. It's it's really entertaining. It's, yeah, soap opera. They call it a soap opera for males. Right. It's it's certainly fun entertainment. There's no doubt about that. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. It's not too late for you to get on the air with us here and talk about whatever's interesting to you. Also, I want to tell you about our friends at SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, you can check out their banner right there at the top of freetalklive.com. Again, SACL CAI. Now, unfortunately, Jason Osborne, the proprietor of SACL CAI, was not able to uh, to come out this weekend because of an unfortunate, an unfortunate disagreement with the hotel from last time, which they were not able to rectify. However, uh, Jason will be coming out to the upcoming Porcupine Freedom Festival and will be bringing back the fun tent. So for those of you listening that are hearing all of the fun we're having here at the new New Hampshire Liberty Forum, and it is a good time. It's a damn good time. You're out there listening to this. You're hearing these great speakers. You're hearing the crowd in the background. You're hearing us talk about the fun and the uh, the after-hours parties and the socializing and the networking, the dinners, and all the great fun that happens here. And you're saying, oh, darn it, I can't make it out to Sunday. I can't get up there in time for it. You can always come next year. There's going to be another Liberty Forum next year. It's likely going to be even bigger and better. People, again, just keep getting to know one another and building relationships. 
and it's really fun. But there's also Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is a uh, it's essentially a week long event. It really culminates in a weekend, but it's a it's a week long weekend event. Happens in the woods in New Hampshire. So maybe the convention atmosphere isn't quite for you. Maybe you know suit and tie, which by the way this is not a suit and tie event. I mean you can look around and. and Mark, I think, is the only one in a suit here, uh, in this room. So it's, it's still a, a casual convention. Maybe if they're just not yet ready for the New Hampshire winter, either. That's true. Although, I have to say, today was a beautiful day. It yeah. was 60 degrees out today right. in the middle of winter in New Hampshire. So it, last year it was in February, and it was a lot colder then. So I think it was good to move it to early March. It was very, very nice. Nice weather this weekend. But certainly, uh, summer times in New Hampshire are beautiful. And the Porcupine Freedom Festival is coming up this summer. It's going to be at a different location this time around. It's going to be at the original location that it started at. They'd moved it from the original location to try a different one out, which was more centrally located. And the, last year we had some trouble because the one that was centrally located ended up being run actually by the government. So it was like partially owned by the state, and they had all uh, these rules about noise at night. And which uh, locations are you talking about? Because I want to clarify this in my mind. The original I think was I've Rogers. To... Okay, the new Rogers. Gunstock. Okay. And so there was, a, there was some outcry by the free staters, like, hey, we're trying to have our fun tent here with our beers and right. whatever else went on. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so people were pretty upset that the, the park was trying to crack down. And this year... This was Rogers that was trying to crack down or Gunstock? Gunstock, Gunstock was. Okay. They, were tr- uh, they were trying to crack down on the free staters having a good time right. at nighttime. And so basically the free state project pulled their business from gunstock and said screw you even though you're a bigger park right uh we're gonna go and you're more centrally located we're gonna go up north so the, this next uh, this next porcupine freedom festival is going to be happening essentially in the the northern part of the state huh. it's, it's going to be a bit of a drive but you get to see a lot of scenery right. and when you get there everybody's going to be located centrally together because at gunstock the, all of the activists were kind of spread out yeah, throughout Gunstock the whole campground. Was, I mean, I, I've been to the Gunstock one. I had not been to the Rogers one. And I will say this about the Gunstock one. It, there was too much wandering. Yes. It didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. If you were over here, you didn't know what was going on over there, and people were split up, and they weren't all was, able to get together. It was still difficult. fun with the sports and the outdoor. Sure, yeah, together it was fine. Stuff, but, yeah. It was a fine event. But it's going to be better now because people will be all together at the, uh, the Rogers one. If you want to get more information on that, you can go to freestateproject.org. It's a great opportunity to come up here to New Hampshire and meet these great people. More uh, coming up here. One segment remains. Enough time for your call. If you make it now at 800-259-9231, this is Free Talk Live, live from the Liberty Forum. Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want, even these remaining moments. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight is Ian here with you. And Johnson. Mark has decided to uh, take a leave here and enjoy the festivities. People are pouring out of the keynote speech. Richard Heller has been speaking, apparently, quite lengthily. Uh, and uh, people are wrapped up in that. A lot of people are, are I guess it's probably wrapping up now because people are starting to spill out into the hallways. The after-hours parties, I begin, or, or I imagine rather, are just beginning. And of course, it was a lot of fun last night. I don't know where you ended up, Johnson, yeah. but <laughs> but uh, wow, it was an amazing experience. And it just keeps getting better here as more liberty-loving people move to New Hampshire. And a lot of the people here are uh, are actually not. Uh, they have not yet moved, but they are considering a move. Uh, many people are planning on moving. So. Uh, 
there are a variety of different folks here at different stages of the, the, the moving process. Some are just considering, some actually in the process of moving. Some have been here for a while. And we're hoping that you're going to be one of those people. If you love freedom, if you like the idea of being free and you understand that in order to be free, you must allow others to be free in their lives as well. If uh, that excites you and you've been hearing us talk about all this great activism going on here in New Hampshire over the years here on Free Talk Live, and you want to get involved, head over to freestateproject.org and learn more about the Free State Project. Get signed up and make a commitment to get here as soon as you possibly can. If as soon as you can means next week, great. If it means five, ten years from now, whatever it takes, this is where it's happening. This is where the action is. I mean, Johnson, you and I, we lived down in Sarasota, Florida for right. a long time. And you were involved with whatever was you could, whatever you would consider the liberty movement down there. Right. You were involved. I mean, my original my original commitment was just to for the twenty thousand. I mean, that was my original commitment was to just get involved and say, okay, if it hits twenty thousand, fine. But as time has gone on, I've just seen what's been happening and how many people are moving and the commitments that people are making, and it's just it's incredible. So, absolutely, if you have the you know wherewithal and you get involved, then. Get up here as fast as you can. Yep. These are the most dedicated activists in the liberty movement, period. And they're all coming here. In fact, it's resulting, I was talking with Mary Ruart about this last night, it's resulting in a brain drain. I mean, the, right. the best activists from around the country, in many cases from around the world, are coming here to New Hampshire. So what's that doing to the activism from, uh, in the places that they're, they're coming from? It's, what does it matter? Right, that's the way I see it. I mean, the, the, when it's so diluted, it's not effective. So it's great that it's concentrating yeah. in New Hampshire. Yeah, when it's diluted, it's like you're playing activist. Because you're not really getting anything significant done. You're just kind of going through the motions and nothing's really happening. Someone, I was having a discussion earlier with someone who was not from this not from the Liberty Forum, and another person who was from the Liberty Forum went and talked about the possible collapse of the economy and talking about how solid currency and, and money and gold and silver. And uh, I essentially I was just describing New Hampshire as being like Galt's Gulch. So, it kind of is. You know, and yeah, I know every, there are some people that would like to recreate that here in New Hampshire. Right. I mean, we just, we're getting all these liberty-minded people here who are willing to try out these ideas. If things were to be really bad, this is the place to be because it's going to be the solution. Yep, and uh, so head over to freestateproject.org to learn more about that and get involved. Uh, so we're here at the forum, the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. We've got a third microphone. Sometimes we open it up and people from the audience can come in and sit down. And we have Michael with us who is here at the Liberty Forum this weekend. Uh, you're from Connecticut. Michael, what's on your mind today? Ian, I think it's, uh, this is a fantastic event. Uh, this is the third year we've been at this event, and it's been uh, really fantastic. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to talk to your listeners about uh, was my daughter, who's 17, uh, is sponsoring a benefit concert in Hartford on March 21st. Uh, the, the benefit is for an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. What, what is that? Can you tell it's me about an that? organization that helps people, uh, teenagers especially, with depression, addiction, self-harm, and people who try to commit suicide. So like cutters and things like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Those are the kind of people. And there are a lot of bands who are supporters of that organization. And so she is sponsoring this concert at the Webster Underground in Hartford on March 21st. Great. Well, I mean, we've got a li listening audience that's all over the place. Can we just talk more about the organization, since it sounds like it's an organization that, that is involved in more than just Hartford? Uh, do they have a website? Do you have to know what that is? 
I don't know what that is. My okay. daughter would What's know what What's the name what it of the is. organization? To, to write love on her arms. And so they're looking at and helping these, uh, essentially intervening with these teenagers mm-hmm. that are having emotional trouble and helping them get the, the assistance that they need. And I think it's a great example of how it is people that love freedom. I mean, I'm presuming she's your daughter. She's here. Absolutely. So she must love freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's a great example of how it is that uh, people that are liberty lovers are willing to get into their communities and get active and help help people out. I mean, because uh, one of the frequent critiques that libertarians get is that, well, you're just a bunch of, uh, you, you just you just don't, you, you just love freedom and all you care you care about is yourself, right? You've, uh, you've heard this time and time again that all you care about is yourself. And it's just not true. And I think that's a perfect example of how it is that, uh, that liberty-loving individuals are involved in their communities. They are reaching out there. And, and you're, in her case, she's, putting this, uh, she's working and putting this concert together, a benefit concert. And she's 17 years old. I mean, it's a fantastic story. That's right. Story. She had to start her own LLC in order to do it. And she, she went ahead. She, someone had an idea about it. She took it. She ran with it. And uh, now the benefit concert is going to be a reality. Michael, I want to thank you for sitting in here tonight on Free Talk Live. Thank, thank you for you giving so me the opportunity to talk to you. Not a problem at all. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, libertarians and voluntarists—they care about people. They just don't want to do it at a point of a gun. Exactly. We want to have the choice. We want to be able to, to keep the money that we earn and decide for ourselves where it should end up, instead of having some big bureaucracy, some uh, some faceless government bureaucrat making those decisions for us. And if we decide we disagree and we want to withhold our money, threatening us with jail or, or something over that. I, I would like to be able to make those choices for myself. What's wrong with that? Give your money to help this cause or else. Or else, exactly. Gary Franchi joining us now here on the third microphone on Free Talk Live. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Good to have you here. I mean, you're, an, uh, you're not somebody I know personally. It's the first time I've seen you at one of these events. Is this your first time in New Hampshire? Uh, no, I was actually here uh, last year. Pull up that microphone right, right close to you if you possibly can. Well, I'm sorry I missed you last year, Gary. Uh, it's my understanding that you were actually close to Aaron Russo. Is that, uh, did you know Aaron really yeah, well? Yes I, yes, I was. I worked with Aaron uh, uh, behind the scenes, putting, uh, uh, streamlining the DVD sales on his website. Mm-hmm. And then he tapped me to be his national director for his grassroots organization, which is uh, called Restore the Republic. Great. Uh, and unfortunately, Aaron passed away uh, not too long ago after creating, a, a, I think, what was a, certainly his swan song uh, a film, which was America, Freedom to Fascism. And that's where I started to really see your name pop up on the Liberty scene was as you, you began promoting that, uh, that movie. And I imagine you're still involved with uh, Freedom to Fascism. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and what we did was, you know, Aaron wanted a place where people could connect network and people who are impacted by his film that could go uh, they could meet other people mm-hmm. and they can move forward uh, and, 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 and spread the message of his movie so we put together a website for him called restore the republic uh, we have actually we have a dot com and a dot net but the dot net is is so dynamic it's like a facebook for the patriot movement and right now we have twelve thousand three hundred registered users on the site uh, and it's exploding at a rate that we just can't control I mean, that movie is is so powerful, uh, even years later, Mm -hmm. that we have anywhere from 60 to 250 people signing up on our email list every single day. And one of the things I like about that movie is you can see it free online. If you go and you look for it, uh, Freedom to Fascism, it's available on Google Video, and that's something that Aaron wanted. He wanted people to be able to see the movie so they could get the information. And it's, I have to say, it's something I have a lot of respect for. We've had Aaron on the show. Uh, we had him on the show in the past. And I, I like it when people in this movement that have great things to share do it up front 
instead of charging money and saying, hey, I've got this nice uh, video, you, you want to watch it, but I'm not going to let you see any more than three minutes of it, they throw it out there, they put it out there, and they say, spread this around, let people see this, and then on the back end, if you thought it was valuable, send us some money. I mean, that's what, that's what we do here on Free Talk Live. We put this show out there, and people voluntarily choose to send us money because it's valuable to them. And, and he created some real value with, uh, with freedom and fascism. Now, just to get into an issue here in our remaining moments, you said restore the republic. So how do you feel about secession? Oh, I, I'm for it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, restoring the republic sounds like you want to, like, recreate the, the federal government. If you could well, choose between restoring the republic and tomorrow hitting a button and uh, splitting off the, you know, the federal government into all 50 states again, what would you choose, Gary? The, the federal government needs to be checked, bottom line. And if the, if the states have to do it by secession, then so be it. Great. Well, that's good to know because I, for one, I mean, I at one time was in the, 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 the mode of restoring the republic, and at this point I've just rejected the whole idea of the federal government. I mean, I'd reject the idea of government, period, but I'd rather have to deal with two governments than three. I mean, we've got the feds, the locals, and the stateies. Let me deal with two gangs of thugs rather than three. So I know that there are a lot of free staters that are into the idea of secession. It's not a secessionist movement, uh, but nonetheless, there are some great people here, and it's good to have you on the show or on the show here, Gary, and thank you for coming on Free Talk Live. Thanks we for are, having me here. Unfortunately, all fresh out of time here tonight. It has been Free Talk Live, uh, broadcasting live from the 2000. Liberty Forum. The festivities continue on all the way through tomorrow afternoon. Come on out here to Nashua, New Hampshire, Crown Plaza Hotel, and get a one-day pass. Come out uh, tomorrow night. And thank you to everybody for coming out here to the Liberty Forum. We will continue our show on Monday night, as we always do. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been Free Talk Live. Woo-hoo!